those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. Things are really changing. There are good people here. People across North Carolina are proud of the fact that the Democratic Party chose to have a convention here. Don't lose hope no matter what they say, because things are starting to happen. But one thing about South Carolina you can always count on, we're always going to surprise you. In fact, I've always been proud to be a Democrat. We need to recognize that we have an opportunity here in Georgia to take back this state and make it blue again. I think Texas is not only going to turn blue, it's just a question of when. Now that will tell you that we have progressed. Join us as we explore the Southern Progressive Revival. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival, episode 12, on this Sunday, November 29th. I am, of course, your host, Jonathan Matthews, and I want to begin tonight by apologizing for the abrupt cancellation last week. Um, I got sick at the very last minute. Unfortunately, I was not able to go on the air, but everything is perfectly fine, and I'm good to go. I've heard that I've got a lot of well wishes, so thank you so much for sending all of those. They are much appreciated, and they certainly did work. Uh, So tonight, everybody, we have a jam-packed show for you, uh, including an excellent guest, Ms. Caitlin Chris, who will be our damn Yankee, so that promises to be a lot of fun. And we also have a lot of stories to bring you, including a good number anchored around the responses to the Syrian refugees in the wake of the terrible terrorist attacks on Paris. Uh, there's the good and there's the bad, and per usual, we're going to do our best to balance out both sides as much as we can. But before we go to that, I'd like to welcome on to the program the triumphant new segment holder, the man who is so cool he's doing it again tonight, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, guys. Uh, hello, Janet. And glad to see you doing better, Jonathan. Thank you so much, Joey. And as always, it is a pleasure to have you here, sir. Yes, sir. And last but not least, our very own Ms. Producer, Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome, Janet. Hi. Glad to have you back and glad to see, excited to hear your new segment, Joey. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. I love it. It is a phenomenal segment, and if you did not get a chance to hear it uh, the week before last, you will get a chance to hear it tonight at 7.30 Eastern Time, and I know that you all will enjoy it as much as we have. So that we can go ahead and get things started tonight, before we jump into the news about the refugees, we are going to start with some news down Louisiana Way in our General Folk and Situation segment. First of all, I begin with words of deep and profound gratitude for all of those who worked so hard, who were willing to believe that we could confound the conventional wisdom that this victory just couldn't happen. And yet, thanks to all of you, here we are. Gentle folk and situations. All right. So hearing that audio, that came from uh, former state representative John Bell Edwards, soon to be the governor of Louisiana. And this is one of those stories that on Southern Progressive Revival, we love to bring you, especially here in the general folk and situations segment, because Louisiana is a state that, as you all very well know, is about as red as they come. But he went up against U.S. Senator David Vitter, who was 
in a very bad situation. He was battling an ethics scandal. He spent the last weeks of the campaign attempting to do everything that he absolutely could to derail John Bell Edwards' campaign. And the people of Louisiana stood up with one voice, and they said no. And a Democrat has been elected the governor of Louisiana, Janet. Isn't this exciting? Yeah, it really is. Um, And the Democrat hasn't come anywhere close to being winning in Louisiana since 2008 when Mary Landrew won. Um, the and, and we're really thrilled that he's a Democrat. He's a real soft Democrat. He's not a progressive. But, you know, he's at least a D, you know, and at least Vitter, Mr. Toilet Vitter. And said, I'm not going to get into toilet jokes tonight. but he um he had some toilet issues and (laughs) they said and the thing that i don't understand is the people (laughs) the people that were um the people that elected him before knew that he was had wore the diapers and all that kind of stuff and like caitlin chris says He's a Democrat, but he's still an extremist, like he's anti-choice and all that kind of stuff. But we still have to take our wins where we can get them. But the thing is, they knew about that before, so I'm not really sure why his prostitute thing with the diapers and all that kind of stuff didn't knock him out before. Does anybody know? I mean, has anybody heard why he could still get elected after that stuff had happened to him? Well, you know, the other guy was uh, <laughs> more extreme, <laughs> way, way more extreme. Yeah, it would That's be. Thing I could think of. Yeah, it would be interesting to see who his opponents were when he was running for reelection as uh, senator. Of course, he's going to be retiring now after this defeat, so he won't be running for reelection again. But um, awesome. yeah, it's incredible. I mean, even if you take this as a bad story, and you know, since John Bell Edwards isn't a. Uh, you know, uh, a big progressive. He's he's not going to be, you know, the best possible governor Louisiana could get. He's an improvement. Uh, exactly. David Vitter is gone, which is wonderful. And so he yeah. has to he has to govern um, toward the center anyway because of who he's fighting or who he's with. Oh yeah, you absolutely. Know? And um, so. He ha- he doesn't have a choice, and so that could make it so that he's gone, you know, kind of right. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously he's a lot less left, but because I think every other state wa- office was won by a Republican other than his. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was not just a small—it wasn't like Edwards eked out a victory. It was 12 points. And what I found most interesting is that he never even managed to garner complete support from his own party. Uh, One of Vitter's Republican primary opponents, Lieutenant Governor Jay Dardine, ended up endorsing Edwards. So that is a huge blow to a party that, um, you know, I, I typically don't like to make generalizations, but for the most part, Republicans are fairly... Uh, you know, they stand lockstep. with each other. They're very lockstep. They stand behind their candidates. Uh, so for, you know, the former lieutenant governor to endorse a Democrat running for governor, that's quite 
the change. It's astounding. Yeah. And Edwards is not supportive of school choice movement or the charter schools or the voucher system. But business leaders think he's more inclined to roll back their tax credits and incentives to fix the state budgets than a Republican would be. So it appears, too, that some of the GOPers are wanting the problems in the state fixed. But he's going up with a, is it a billion dollar budget gap next year? Yep, billion dollar. Mm -hmm. You know, whoa, that man has got some problems. So, absolutely. I mean, when you're coming in after eight years of Bobby Jindal, there's going to be a lot of refuge to pick up. <laughs> well, if you if you go in after eight years, uh, if behind any Republican, it's going to be that way. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, look what the president's going through. <laughs> oh oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're fighting him. So tooth and nail. Yeah. And like Caitlin Chris says, too, that she thinks Vitter claiming that God had forgiven him made the people do that, too. But, you know, apparently they didn't. Maybe it was those ads kind of alluding to the diaper issue. (laughs) 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 Kind of reminding them. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I see. I didn't get into the toilet exactly. I am close, but I didn't get there. I am very proud. You you keep the uh, classiness of the show always high, Janet. Always. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's. uh, But you know, I mean, we we can make our quibbles, but uh, I really think that this is this is positive news. It's it's a good step in a good direction. Vitter is gone. No more Senator Vitter. Vitter. Yeah. Maybe Edwards can get. Um, the rest of them to start moving a little to the left because they're obviously wanting change. So maybe they'll listen. Indeed. Start mm. swinging that state a little more left. Yes, it would be to wonderful to see. To yep. I wish it happened here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. But this this used to be a strong blue state. Mm-hmm. It the times are a changing. You never know. Mm-hmm. Things yep. can happen. Yeah, we we lost our uh, governorship in uh, Kentucky, unfortunately, but I'm glad that Louisiana got their good news. So mm-hmm. you never know what can happen. Great. We must <laughs> we must always have faith. Kentucky picked up a bunch of dams. Yes, we did. Than, mm-hmm. Yeah, other than the governorship. Yes. And he's really kind of backtracked, you know, on what he said he was going to do and what now he's saying he's going to do. So... Yeah, he really has, which is, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's wonderful news. Um, I know I was speaking to a friend the other day who was talking about that there are some counties in the state where there are up to 75% uh, of the population here in Kentucky that are on Medicaid or food stamps. So, you know, him <laughs> coming in. Scooter, Scooter just said Vitter needed a change, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> He was starting to stink up the joint just a little bit. Um. He's like, bitter, uh, bitter made a boom boom. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. See, it's um. not just me going in the toilet. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I think that it's... Bitter it's... came in to class up the joint, too. Exactly. I, I think it's queer that Edwards baby wiped the floor with him. Uh, you know, it, it just... It's what happened. So... Um. <laughs> 
I'm wow. going to be wiped after fitter. <laughs> See, this is what happens. I come back to the show, you try to keep it classy, I just destroy all of your mojo in one sentence. I am a terrible, terrible host. But that is okay. Because the good news is that we have another great story down from Florida. I'm sure that many of you have seen this on social media. Unfortunately, there was not any audio that we could find. Um, We did look. We looked as hard as we possibly could, and there was just nothing out there. But with more on that story, I would like to hand over the mic to Ms. Janet Lee. This is a story out of Florida, and it came out in the New York Times in... um, I just thought this was so cool. There's a man named Harris Rosen. He was he grew up really poor on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and became a wealthy Florida business owner. And he had uh, made a bunch of money down in Florida. So he saw this this uh, troubled community with the name of Tanga- Tangalo Park. Tangalo Park. And he said it looked like it was a once charming town, you know, a little neighborhood, but it gone back, gone to drugs, crime, shuttered homes. Half the students were dropping out of school. So he dropped $11 million on this community. But, and because of him, almost all the seniors graduate from high school and most go on to college, college on a full scholarship that Mr. Rosen finances. The children go to kindergarten primed and ready because he pays for free daycare centers and the pre-kindergarten program. The property values have climbed and houses and lawns with few exceptions are welcoming. Crimes plummeted. The Jerome Atkinson, he's the president of the Tangelo Park Association, says it's helped the community a lot. You know, that they're just so grateful for him. And... But people want to know, can this be replicated? Some of the park's success can be with early childhood and and college, which people have been saying, yes, that needs, you know, we all need that. Um, So that is, that's true. But there's other things that are kind of hard to mimic. There's only 3,000 people there. So... The, and also, this place had a determined civic, their their neighborhood, they had made their own leaders, and they were fighting the drug trade even before Rosen arrived. So, it had Mr. Rosen's focus going to, it had, he started focusing on this area and financing, and he's been doing it for 21 years. He said, it's not inexpensive but you stay till the neighborhood doesn't need you. So he said, I'm not leaving until they don't need me anymore. Oh, Tang, Tangelo, Tangelo. Okay, Scooter. Scooter's telling me how to say this. Thank you, Scooter. We appreciate that. Tangelo. <laughs> Tangelo Park. Tangelo Park. Thank you. <laughs> so he said uh, um, that... They have a lot of wealthy people that have resources, and there's no reason they can't do this. And so people said to him, why are you spending all of this time at that place? Because he goes to each and every board meeting every month 
no matter where he is. He flies in for it or makes sure that he's at that meeting. And he said, because everybody has to have hope. If there's no hope, then there's no point. And um, they have 900 kids in this school that they run. Most of it is volunteer staff that are certified teachers and community leaders, you know, that work around there. And they pay teachers, too. They have teachers at this school. Um, and he spends about 500000 a year less than when he first began the program. He doesn't give the money directly to the school because it's public. and um, But he does pay for the pre- preschools, scholarships, and he tells them, if you graduate, I will pay for your college. And... In uh, the last time that they checked last year, they had a hundred percent graduation rate. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah. And he invent he took this park over or this neighborhood over or started you know working there in nineteen ninety three. So, yeah, and th- this is one of those things, and the reason that I particularly enjoyed this story because I saw a lot of comments on it going back and forth. You know, there, there were some that saying, you know, he shouldn't have to do this. This is something the government should do, which I don't disagree with, but by doing this, he, I believe has proven what the power of a promise of education can actually do. If we as a nation come together to provide essentially debt-free college or community college um, to extend access to pre-kindergarten and daycare. Imagine what it could do for communities across the nation, not just in Tangelo Park. And he he's proven that it can work. He's proven that giving people what the right likes to term as handouts mm-hmm. in the at the end of the day it does work. It gives them the courage. It gives them the ability to see and to know that their lives have a purpose and that if they work for it, they can achieve it and that they're going to be able to do it and that they're not going to amass all this debt and that they don't have to turn to other areas to succeed. So, exactly. yeah. So yeah, like, like, uh, you know, uh, this, this kind of, this, this right here is, is, is real expiring. Especially, you know, you never know uh, what what kids kids he might, you know, you know, reach to do the same thing he done. You know, you never know. If kid grow up, may be a, a successful actor, successful mm-hmm. athlete, successful lawyer, successful doctor. You know, business, you know, big business owner, and they be like, I remember what this man done for me. I want to have this chance. If this, you know, I wouldn't have this chance, one for him. So I'm going to do the same for somebody else. So exactly. That's, that's the way I see it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a- it's, you know, and another thing, too, that really, you know, it's almost saying what educators have been saying for a long, long time is preschool is important. Early childhood is mm-hmm. important. And he's actually just proven it. I mean, he is proving it, and he's not really a half a million a year on educating 900 kids is not a lot. Not really, no. And, not- but the thing is, he shows up at every meeting. He's a hands-on. He's on the board. He normally, they said he just sits back and listens, 
um, you know, he also uh, is building a uh, hotel school. The hospitality right management at, school? Ho- yes, hospitality yes. management school in right not too far from the park because he wanted the kids to graduate and then be able to be right there if they wanted to go on and work at the park and work in hospitality or, you know, one of his hotel motels or whatever. So whatever they wanted to do, but since that his his thing, he's also building a school for hospitality management. But you know what this sounds like to me, guys? Hmm? Uh, it sounds like that uh, he's a... I don't know what his religion is, but it sounds like he's a one of those. He's a good Christian. He's doing what a Christian's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, and in, in the defin in the definition to you know yeah, being Christ like, he's certainly being Christ like. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's. Well, a, I know that they, he has he and his family. I remember reading somewhere came immigrated from Poland. Oh. and oh, uh, okay. he and his mom lived very hand to mouth. I don't remember what happened to his dad, but um, well, and he might have just been name, as, his last name. I think it sounds Jewish. His yeah. Last name. Yeah, it does. That's what I assumed, and I I do remember reading that he kept there, him and his mom, and I think his dad and a grandma came over from Poland. Mm-hmm. So, immigrant. Yes, that's kind yeah. of one of those things that we're going to be focusing mm-hmm. on tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that it's a perfect uh, segue. And to sort of kick off this coverage tonight, I thought that it was important to play a bit of the audio uh, from Obama's response to the conservatives who have been sticking their... <laughs> sticking their foot in their mouth over the past couple of weeks concerning the refugee crisis, uh, because everything that he says sort of ties into every story. So we're going to go ahead and play that for you now. Um, and once we go over that, we'll go over those remarks a little bit, and then we will be able to go over the good and the bad that has come from that. So without any further ado, here is uh, President Obama on the conservative response to the refugees. And when I hear folks say that, well, maybe we should just admit the Christians, but not the Muslims. When I hear political leaders suggesting that there would be a religious test for which person who's fleeing from a war-torn country is admitted, when some of those folks themselves come from families who benefited from protection when they were fleeing political persecution, that's shameful. That's not American. It's not who we are. We don't have religious tests to our compassion. When Pope Francis came to visit the United States and and gave a speech before Congress, he didn't just speak about Christians who were being persecuted. He didn't call on Catholic parishes just to admit those who were of the same religious faith. He said, protect people who were vulnerable. And so I think it is very important for us right now, particularly those who are in leadership, particularly those who uh, have form and can be heard, not to fall into that trap, not to feed that dark impulse inside of us. I had a lot of disagreements with uh, George W. Bush on policy, but I was very proud after 9-11 when he was adamant and clear about the fact that this is not a war on Islam. And the notion that some of those who have taken on leadership in his party would ignore all of that, that's not who we are. 
On this, they should follow his example. It was the right one. It was the right impulse. It's our better impulse. And whether you are European or American, the values that we are defending, the values that we're fighting against ISIL for, are precisely that we, we don't discriminate against people because of their faith. We don't kill people because they're different than us. That's what separates us from them. Yep, and uh, I, I know that uh, you know some of you may be wondering why we are playing that speech from President Obama, uh, but a lot of what he said has to do with responses from many, many candidates who are running for president right now on the GOP side who are from the South. Um, he spoke out against uh, comments made by Marco Rubio, uh, Ted Cruz, um, he spoke out against comments made by Jeb Bush. Um, he even made the compelling point uh, about the fact that George W. Bush made it a point to say that we were not fighting a war against Islam. And this fact, coupled with the rhetoric of the current GOP contenders, showed that they are much further to the right and deeply entrenched in capturing the fundamentalist vote, even more so than George W. Bush was for all of his many flaws. And it's it's very, very difficult at any time to give George W. Bush any credit because what he did to this country in eight years economically, uh, abroad, what, what he did to our reputation, there's no excuse for it. But when you have a field of contenders that are even further to the right than him, what can you hope for by electing them to the presidency than something much worse than what George W. Bush did? I don't know how you can hope for anything else, Janet. No. No, I don't. I, I love the speech. I love that speech, though. You know, and it... And it, and it it put a wad in any little 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 underwear. Oh yeah, inside. Yeah, you know it. It struck. He struck a nerve. And <laughs> the only thing they doing is, you know, they playing to their base, and they don't give a damn. They they just want the votes and want to get, you know, and get some position of power to obstruct more and destroy more. That's the way I see it. Pretty much. I mean, and I I know that right now. Um, at least from the most recent polls I've seen, and, and that was about a week ago. I've not seen what's happened since we've come back and we've started to discuss our side of the issue. Uh, unfortunately, right now, a majority of Americans as a whole think that we should either temporarily stop accepting refugees or that we should stop altogether. And That's just nuts. It is. And it's it's feeding into this fear and this hatred um that isn't what we're about it it that's that's what this country was built on refugee refugees and mm-hmm. you know people from other countries help help build this country exactly and we played a huge part we didn't you know exactly came in on our own but <laughs> yeah you know I mean, you know my ancestors didn't come here you know on their own but we had a part too and and other ethnic groups did also, and I don't see why what what, what they saying. I don't I don't see what's what what. Oh, darn, I'm tongue tied right now. But it, are they 
oh god, I don't know what to say now, man, because it's got me kind of mad of of how these people act towards people, and you know, only only you know they only towards Muslims and people from like Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, and and they they try and you know, I I all I gotta say is they. It, racism is going to destroy this country if we don't if we don't straighten our act mm-hmm. well, it's, from the it's inside just, out. Yeah, just fascism, pure and simple. Because this kind of reminds me of because you know I like to watch you know I'm a I like history and and especially I, I like to watch uh, the World War II history and read upon it and stuff and and them guys act just like Mussolini and. Hitler. Hitler and you can go ahead and say it. Gang. Let's let's use the Hitler word tonight. <laughs> yeah. Hitler. Hitler. They, they act just like him, you know. Yeah. Act just like him. And Fox News is they echo chamber and right wing hate radio is also. So we gotta we gotta come together, folks, and <laughs> try to stop these people the best yeah, way we can, man. There's more of us than them. Yeah, it is. You know there are. You know, I just wish that silent majority would kind of wake up. You just want to go over there and say, what the f- are you thinking? You know, mm-hmm. it makes me think of Cher in that one moon light or moon whatever, you know, where she smacks mm-hmm. him on the side of the face and says, wake up. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just just appealing to the fear of people is no way to run a political campaign. It's no way... To win office, it's certainly no way to govern. And no. as time and time again has shown, history has a tendency to repeat itself. And it's certainly my hope that that does not happen again. Um, so right now we have already hit 730. So we are going to go ahead and head to a real quick break. Uh, we are going to be getting to Joey's segment, which we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, voices of our black past, present, and future when we come back. And uh, once we get done with that, if we have time, we do have some awesome news from George Takei, who responded to the outcries of the mayor of Roanoke, Virginia. So stick with us here on Southern Progressive Revival. We'll be back with you in just a moment. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country so we understand hard work so let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states southern progressive revival at indie media weekly radio everybody, Kim Williams here, proprietor of IndieMediaWeekly.com and IndieMediaWeekly Radio. We invite you to check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice, a Facebook community that many of us are a part of here at IndieMediaWeekly. Many of our contributors and listeners are as well. So if you're a fan of Facebook, you should check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice and join us. We are ready to fight, and we hope you are too. And we hope to see you there. Just search for Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice anytime you're on Facebook. Light out. Everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. 
This is Michael Ash Sharbaugh, host of the Broken Doorway Indie Music Show on Indie Media Weekly Radio. Accompanied by producer Kim Williams, proprietor of Indie Media Weekly and host of Inside Indie Media Weekly, I have the esteemed pleasure to bring you a series of interviews with some of the exciting indie artists featured on Indie Media Weekly Radio and the Broken Doorway Radio Show. 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Times, Saturdays and Wednesdays, after The Broken Doorway. And 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays, after Kim Williams' Inside Indie Media Weekly. This is The Spoken Doorway. Enter. Don't miss Musical Mayhem with Lauren Mayer. Topical comedy songs and commentary from your friendly local humorist, songwriter, and opinionated Jewish mother. You can catch the show right here on Indie Media Weekly on Mondays and Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m., Thursdays at 8 p.m., right after the Tim Cormall Show. You can catch my weekly comedy videos on my YouTube channel, Psycho Supermom, and order CDs through most major retailers as well as my website, laurenmayer.com. So join us for Musical Mayhem, where music, politics, and comedy intersect. So new? Hi, this is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and you're listening to Indie Media Weekly. Don't change that dial. If you do, I'll know. Like a sneaky ninja, I will know. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores. We obey the laws, we pay our taxes, we fly our flags on holidays, and we plot along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. As always, I am your host, Jonathan Matthews, out of Richmond, Kentucky. And joining me are my phenomenal co-hosts, beginning with Ladies First, of course, our very own Ms. Producer, Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome back, Janet. Well, hi. Welcome, everybody. Yes, indeed. Welcome, and thank you for being here, Janet. And it is, of course, my honor, my privilege to welcome back the man who will be leading this half hour, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, everyone. Hello, chat room. Everyone listening, you guys. What's up? What's up? Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, sir. All right. So without any further ado, we are going to go ahead and get into Joey's segment. But before we do that, we have to start the jingle. So here we go. Voices of our black past, present, and future with Joey Word. We have come here from the dusty plantations of the Deep South. There have been many of our people across the country from all walks of life who have taken it upon themselves to try and pool their ideas. It was the 31st of August in 1962 that 18 of us traveled 26 miles the county courthouse in Indianola to try to register to become first class citizens. I've had a number of threatening calls, people calling me saying they were going to kill me. 
My mother explained racism and segregation to me. And what she said, and I'll never forget this, she said, this is not the way things are supposed to be. This might be the way they are now, but they are not supposed to be this way. All right, everybody, I am going to go ahead and hand the mic over to Joey. But before I do that, I would like to let you all know that we are currently in the planning stages of making a Black History Month special for the month of February. Uh, We are going to be working very closely with Mr. Joey Word to bring that together for all of you, uh, because the Black voice is a very important aspect of Southern society. It's one that needs to be heard, and I know that Joey will do his best and will continue to do his best for 30 minutes every program to give you a bit of a history lesson, which is what he's doing here. But being able to do that for an entire show, I think, will be incredibly exciting. So, Joey, I look forward to planning that episode with you. I'm sure that Janet does as well. And without any further ado, take it away, sir. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, <clears throat> uh, to, to the, this week, uh, I have found a guy, a hero, and uh, the hero to, for this week, his name is Congress, Congressman Robert Smalls. Uh, Robert Smalls was born on April 5th, 1839, in a small cottage behind McKee House at Prince and New Streets in Beaufort, South Carolina. He was the son of Lydia Polite a house servant who had been working for the McKees since she was taken from her family as a young child on uh, Ashdale Plantation on Ladies Island. Robert's father was very likely to have been Henry McKee, the son of plantation owner, where Lydia's family lived and worked all of their lives. Robert's early life was rather easy as compared with that of other enslaved children. He was he was taken around town by Henry McKee and had opportunities to play with children in the neighborhood, both black and white. The ease of Robert's life was dis- dis- disturbing to his mother as she knew that Robert did not really understand the horrors of slavery. So Lydia made arrangements for Robert to spend time with her family on the plantation where he could see just how slavery could be on the plantation. Robert, the other enslaved family members on the eastern floor, he, let me see, uh, he didn't sleep on a little cot in the small cottage behind the, uh, the Keys house but slept with the other enslaved family members on the eastern floor. He he didn't play the the neighboring ch- play with the neighboring children, but uh worked on the plantation picking cotton, rice, and tobacco in the fields from sun up to sundown. He didn't wear nice clothes, but wore the tattered clothing of a, a other slave men, women, children and children. Robert was being taught and taught taught the lessons of slavery firsthand when he returned to Beaufort, Beaufort, Lydia took him down to the whipping post so he could see how enslaved people, the enslaved people were beaten when they broke the rules. Robert learned to learn the lessons well. He learned that life of enslaved Africans was not to be relatively easy life that 
had been his during the first seven, the first 10 years of his life. The result of the, it, the lessons led Robert's Robert to uh, defiance. And he began to challenge the local slave laws of the town. Robert fre- frequently found himself in the Buford jail and Harry McKee had to come down to bail him out. Now, Lottie began to fear her own son's safety, so she asked McKee to allow Smalls to go to Charleston to be rented out for work. At age 12, <coughs> Small Roberts, no, excuse me, <coughs> Robert Smalls <coughs> moved to Charleston and began to perform a number of jobs. At first, waiting tables in a hotel, then lamp lighting, working on the waterfront, and finally working on the planter. He had to give all his money except for a dollar a week to the McKees. But Robert was industrious, and he saved his money and did, did other small jobs to make more on the, on the, on the planter. Robert learned all the skills needed to become a excellent pilot and <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, y'all, uh, my throat is kind of sore. <clears throat> he conducted all of the jobs and should have been done by the ship's captain. There were other enslaved men working on the planter as well, and together they were capable of maneuvering the planter without the white crew. At age 19, Robert met and married Hannah Jones. Shortly after their marriage, they had two children, Elizabeth, Lydia, and Robert Smalls, Jr. Robert was aware of white peoples who married, lived together in some accommodations, and he asked permission for the keys on the Kingmans, with whom Robert and Hannah were enslaved to allow them to live together. Permission was granted and they moved to into a small apartment in Charleston. Robert was still dissatisfied however became he realized that although he he and Hannah were married and living together with their family, they they were not free. <clears throat> the king the Kingsmans uh could take Hannah and the children away from him at any time. He had to find a way to purchase freedom for his wife and children. But how? Robert approached the Kingsmans and and requested that they allow him to, to purchase his wife, Hannah, and their two children. The, Kingman, the Kingsmans uh, finally agreed to the request, purchase 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 free purchase fee was eight hundred dollars and Robert's were only a hundred. How long will it take to save up another seven hundred? He needed to come up with another plan. He must find a way to gain freedom of them. And and this is the part when he was going to uh, voice to freedom. <clears throat> On the early morning of May thirteenth, eighteen sixty two. Robert Smalls put his plan into action. By by the time the Civil War had broken out and the Confederates had uh, commandeered the planter into service, Robert still worked as an enslaved man on the C.C. 
the CSS planter in Charleston, along with three other enslaved men. The Union Navy had block blockaded Fort Sumter. The Smalls and the and the three other enslaved men, <clears throat> the three other enslaved men on the CSS planter in Charleston, along with three other enslaved men. The Union Navy had blocked the Fort Sumner and Smalls and the three other enslaved men could see the Union ships from the Charleston Harbor, Sumter. They knew that freedom was not far away. That night all the white crew and the and the ash ashore for the evening of Smalls and the other three enslaved men gathered their families on the planter for a daring voyage. Robert Smalls eased the ship into the current heading out the Charleston Harbor. He was familiar with the waters and rebel routines and steamed the planter past five Confederate gun batteries, giving the correct signals Fox saved patches to each. By dawn on May 13, 1862, 23-year-old Robert Smalls sur surrendered to CSS planter to Union, Union forces. And free, and freedom were theirs. <clears throat> uh, Smalls during the Civil War. Smalls uh, exploits both with freedom for himself and for his family. As a result of the fame that came from his his daring deed, he was awarded a audience with President Abraham Lincoln, where he led to an effort to enlist black men to fight. To fight for Union forces in the Civil War, he helped. He helped uh, recruit nearly five thousand African American men for the Union Army, and those and those former enslaved men fought voluntarily during the Civil War. Smalls fought as a pilot on both the CSS Planner and the ship that he had uh, uh, commandeered to freedom, and he. Uh, the ironclad gunship, <clears throat> the USS uh, Kilcook. He led the Union ships to. Uh, uh, excuse me for a second. <coughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> he led the Union ships to deactivate mines, and he had uh, helped. Plant while enslaved the Confederacy and guided the Union forces to Confederate outposts. He also assisted in the destruction of railroad bridges in the harbor area. Robert Smalls was uh, was the first African hero of the Civil War. He was later appointed the rank of Major General in the South Carolina Militia during the uh, Reconstruction period. Okay, I'm going to go down to the political career. The following Civil War, Robert Smalls uh, continued to build upon his reputation as a hero and as a leader of the African-American community. He, he was one of the founders of the Beaufort County, South Carolina Republican Club. He served on the Beaufort County School, school Board and helped to, helped to establish the first school built for African-American children. 
Smalls became the famous and result of his daring acts during the war and entered politics at, at the dawn of the Reconstruction era. He became the leader in the, the low country and was elected to South Carolina Constitu Constitutional Convention in 1868 and proposed uh, re resolutions to create South Carolina's public school system and or protect the civil rights of African-Americans from 1869 to 1889. He served in both houses of South Carolina uh, uh, legis legis le legislator <laughs> was elected to five terms in the uh, United States Congress. His most important leg legislation during his five terms in Congress was a bill that led the creation of the Paris Island Marine Base in South Carolina. The success of African-American leaders in South Carolina politics, such as Smalls, was a, a, front, a front to the Democrats called the Red, what do they call Red Redeemers, <laughs> who wanted to return the state to its pre-war status of white supremacy. After 1876, the Redeemers was success, success, successful in falsely charging and convicting Smalls of bribery and forcing him from office. But unlike most of his African-American uh, contemporaries, Smalls fought back, regaining his congressional seat and continued to fight for African-American uh, 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 rep, 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 representation. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm kind of nervous. I'm, I am nervous. That's all right. You're, You're doing, doing great. great. Doing great. And the, particip the participation in the state policies, despite having to fight an outgoing and often losing battle with South Carolina Democrats for political power in the state, Smalls was a power broker in the Republican Party in the hometown in Buford across the state of South Carolina and national politics for every for over 40 years from 1868 to 1912. He only missed two Republican national conventions, one by chance in uh, 1880 and the other in 1912 due to family illness. Robert Smalls at the 1895 South Carolina Congress, uh, uh, Con Constitutional Convention. By 1895, Benjamin Tillman and the, redeem the redeeming Democrats in the South, uh, in the South Carolina, had uh, succeeded through violence, terror, and election fraud to reduce the number of African American registered to vote in the state from eight let me see eighty one thousand in eighteen sixty eight to less less than ten thousand in eighteen ninety four. Tillman called for a con con constitutional convention in nineteen ninety five to rewrite state constitution of eighteen sixty eight and to and to take away the rights to vote of African Americans in South Carolina. In eighteen sixty eight uh, uh, 76 of the 124 delegates elected to the Constitution, 
Constitutional Convention where African-Americans in 1895, only six African-Americans were elected to serve. Five of the delegates were from Robert Small's power base, Beaufort County, South Carolina. Robert Smalls was one of these five delegates, and he was the only African-American delegate who had also attended in the 1868 convention. He did his best to represent his, his, his constituency and to fight against their disenfranchisement after giving one of the most important speeches of the convention on November the 2nd, he was forced to leave the convention to return to Buford for several days, become of illness, and eventual, eventual death. Eventually, he died of his second of his second wife and Weeks Smalls. On the November, let me see. On November the 14th, he returned to the convention to refuse to sign a new constitution that changed South Carolina's suffrage requirements and actually disenfranchised African-American uh, voters. <laughs> so, you know, later in the years, uh, after, after losing his seat, his seat in Congress, his challenge to dispute it, uh, the election of 1888, Robert Smalls returned to Beaufort, South Carolina to uh, collector of customs for the port of Beaufort. He secured his political appointment from uh, President Benjamin Harrison and held the position for nearly 20 years. The position allowed him to maintain power in the Republican Party in South Carolina and his supporters were called Custom House Gang. His service in the position of a note, noteworthy, uh, <clears throat> sorry, Smalls. Let me see. Uh, Smalls held his own in an era of Southern politics in which African American office holders were challenged repeatedly and often removed by white racist Democrats. He lost the uh, the appointment during the presidency of Grover Cleveland. Uh, uh, 1889 through 1897, but uh, President William McKinney reappointed him to the po to the post in 1898, and he served until 1912. Wow. In the year, in the year, even even though the Republican president William Howard Taft was in office, the state uh, two Democrat senators Benjamin Tillman and Elliot D. Smith blocked Small's reappointment. That sounds familiar. Robert Smalls yeah. died. <laughs> Robert Smalls died in uh, uh, February 1915. He left an indelible legacy of bravery, leadership, and public service for all Americans. His life uh, exemplified what many of former enslaved African Americans were able to achieve with freedom. The travel of the traveling. Uh, exolution of of the life of times of Congre Congressman Robert Smalls honors his life and his legacy, and it goes to show everybody that um, the the hell we endured in this African Americans endured in this country. This is my country. This is your country. This is our country. Let's come to let's let's come together and make it a better country. I know we all don't agree, but we 
we but we can uh, agree to disagree with love and respect, not hate and disrespect. From the Swahili language, opendo na amani. That means love and peace, everyone. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, Joy. And you know what? It it almost sounds like it, it could be written today. Yeah, yeah. I that's, mean, that's what. Uh, that's you know. That's why I pick pick this hero. You know, that's why I picked the man, and and I wanted to do it. I you know I kind of messed up. You know, but I was nervous about doing it. You know, <laughs> well, you know, but I I, I love this story. Well, oh, you know, it's, you, yeah, yeah. Your your the stories that you pick are really interesting. They're amazing, and um, I love learning. And I'd never heard of him, and we all should have. How old was he when he died? Did you? He uh, had what? When was he born? He he was born. Uh, let me see. Uh, he had to have been pretty close. He was to born 80. April fifth. He he was born April fifth, nineteen. I mean, uh, what well, I'm saying, nineteen, eighteen thirty nine. Eighteen thirty nine. So yeah, 18, he was about eighty five then when he yeah, died. He was in his 80s. Wow. Yeah. He died in nineteen fifteen, February nineteen fifteen. Wow. Nova said that's a really powerful story. We've got a lot of good. Uh, and like Caitlin makes a good point too. There's racist in the Democratic Party. There were, and there still are. Yep. But their party platform's not all about racism, sexism, and discrimination. And they've changed compared to where they were at that time. See, see the Republicans back then would be Democrats today. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, that's, that's what's, the, you know, that's what, you know, because the the, uh, the uh, Democrats back then, they was called Dixiecrats. And, and they turned to the Republican Party because it was a whole lot of uh, blacks that was back in the other, 60s, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a whole lot of blacks and other minorities started started to, uh, you know, endorse in the the Democrat Party. Democrat, what the hell I say? I'm in Democratic Party, <laughs> not Democrat. I'm not a darn Republican. <laughs> a Democratic Party, you know, and a whole lot of them, the Dixiecrats, went to, you know, became Republicans. So that's yeah, why, yeah. you know, I like I like kind of skeptical about how this day can a black person be or minority be uh, a Republican. Mm-hmm. And people still don't get the uh, white privilege. And Sister Joe says, love and peace, Joy. And, yep, you're talking Southern strategy. Thank you know, you, I mean, they, they had it back then. Yep. And that's what it, that's what they they still playing out the same playbook as today, Janet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Atchison, wasn't it Atchison, Lee Atchison that did that after the elections in the 60s it's but, the, the fellow with the glasses no yeah, I no think was, I think about somebody else. that guy was back in the 80s I think about something else He's, I think he was at the Republican convention or something during the Reagan era or something. yeah well that could be too I might be thinking of this I thought it was Lee Atwater, Atwater. Oh, Lee Atwater was okay. the one that came up with Changing yeah. the code words and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, we can't say you know no more. We have to say this. You know, welfare yeah. queens, you know, welfare women this. driving Cadillacs, wearing fur coats type deal. Yeah, yeah. you know, nah. 
So I'm I'm glad I'm glad I'm doing this. I you know I kind of stuttered and stumbled a little bit and missed words and had to go back. But well, I it was tried awesome. to get the story out. You know I want to get that story out to make people look him up. You know Congre- Congressman Robert Smalls. And besides that, you know every, it was quiet. Everybody was listening and making comments and like Caitlin said, dog whistles and buzzwords. That's right. There you so, go. Um, and so that, so, so that goes to show everyone, everyone that's on our side right now, that they still playing out the same. After all these years, they still playing out the same playbook. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. why we got to fight. We got to get out there and fight. We got to vote. You know, change some things because they still playing out the same playbook. Absolutely. Yes. They are. yes. Yeah, so Joey, thank you so much. That was such an inspiration. And there's so much more I would like to say about it. Uh, but unfortunately, it is eight o'clock and we need, need to get Caitlin Chris onto the show. Uh, but of course, uh, this segment will be on every single Sunday. So you'll be able to catch Voices of Our Black Past, Present and Future again here on Southern Progressive Revival next Sunday, as will be the case every Sunday from then on. Uh, so we will go to a break real quick and we will be right back here with you on Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We have been the instrument of change in the past. We know what needs to be done. We know how to do it. We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights, economic and social opportunity. Southern Progressive Revival at Indy Media Weekly Radio. Thanksgiving has become just another day at the mall. Hear about Black Friday's takeover of Thursday, today on Hightower Radio. Here comes Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, and Christmas. It's a month-long season of friends, family, and spiritual reflection. Good Lord, shout the corporate bosses, are you nuts? Do you think America is some kind of Norman Rockwell fantasy land? This is the season of mass consumerism, bucko. So lift your tail end out of that lazy boy and hit the malls, pronto. And if you happen to have a job in a chain store, don't even think about taking a holiday or you won't have a job the next day. Let us now praise the one God we all serve, Mammon. Years ago, Macy's started Black Friday as a kickoff to this holy month of frenzied commercialization. But it produced such a surge of profit that Walmart and other chains also converted to the Church of Perpetual Selling. Black Friday used to begin the day after Thanksgiving, but reaching for more, Walmart started desecrating Thanksgiving itself by opening their doors to the Black Friday masses at 6 p.m. on the night of Thanksgiving. This year, with Macy's, Target, J.C. Penney, and others also pushing the Friday shoparama into Thursday, Toys R Us will open at 5 p.m., intruding even deeper into Thanksgiving's family dinner. And pushing excess to a new high, Kmart is expected to once again open its doors at 6 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning. Still, a Walmart executive said, We thought 6 o'clock p.m. was the exact right time to win the weekend. Wow. Did you ever think of Thanksgiving as something to win? But then, your spiritual devotion to mammon probably is not as ardent as that executive's. Meanwhile, the same guy reports that the one million low-wage workers who will have to staff the Thanksgiving profit grab are, quote, really excited to work that day. This is Jim Hightower saying, sure they are, excited as in agitated. 
Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's populist take on what the powers that be are up to. Find out more at HightowerLowdown.org. Hey, Joe, what are you doing? Repairing the GOP clown car. What's wrong with it? Well, you know your show. You mean the Tim Cormall show right here on IndieMediaWeekly.com? Yes. Where each week a panel of guests joins us for a progressive roundtable discussion about politics, news, and other fun topics? Yes. And you know how we check out which members of the GOP climbed into the clown car each week? Yes. Well, there's been so many GOP clowns lately, they broke the springs. Oh, no, really? (laughs) Yes. But don't worry. With the GOP presidential primary season coming up, the clown car will now have new heavy-duty springs to carry the load. So not only will our show be way better than those Sunday cable shows, we'll also have our very own clown car. Right. Now, close that garage door, Tim, before the clowns get in. Join us in our panel of guests every week right here on Indie Media Weekly. Oh, and don't forget, we have clowns. Dang it, I think a few slipped through. Tune in for the Tim Coromall Show on Indie Media Weekly Radio, Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, or in prime time on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly Radio at IndieMediaWeekly.com. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Hour 2 of Southern Progressive Revival. I am your host, Jonathan Matthews. And uh, real quick, so that we can get Caitlin introduced here on the show, I would like to welcome back our very own Ms. Producer, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Hi, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. And, of course, uh, the man who owned that segment last half hour, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I messed up. <laughs> no, you did fine, good. sir. It was I'm great. I'm glad I got the story out some kind of way. <laughs> yeah, you did, a, hey, you did a great job. Do not doubt yourself, sir. So we are going to go ahead and introduce Caitlin Chris in the best way that I know how, and that's with our damn Yankee jingle. So let's go ahead and roll that. Where do you come from? Damn Yankee. Of course, I'm just visiting here. Why don't you just tell me your side of the story? Your <laughs> Yankee friend is waiting for you in the bar. All right, Caitlin, are you there, ma'am? Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. And thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, it's a pleasure. And I have to say, you know, you've been here listening to our show and you've been in the chat ever since episode one, yep. which is incredible. So we. Definitely appreciate your support, not only here, but I know that you're over at Turn Up the Night and that you're on Mic Check Radio. So uh, from everybody here at the network, thank you. We love you, Caitlin. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> hey, Kate. Hey, Kate. How you doing, sweetheart? Good. Nice segment, that last one. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I got more to come. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you do. I mean, you always do such a really good job, so. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Caitlin. Is that Janet or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Me. Okay, just making sure. I sometimes it, you sound a little different in my in, in my ear rather than on on the show. Yeah, so. I do. Some and I hear myself <laughs> over the like, and I think, oh my god, I can't believe that's my voice. 
there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just slightly different. So it's different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I am so excited that you came on tonight because um, the whole thing is going to be on immigration, other than uh, Joey's segment. But in a way, it was immigration. It was forced immigration, but immigration, and they fought um, tooth and nail for rights. And you are Asian, and um, I. So I read this article in the New Yorker, and it was dated October of 2015, and it was Mm -hmm. Erica Lee's book, "The Making of Asian Americans." Mm -hmm. And I was shocked at how much I didn't know. I'm going to be quite honest. Um, and I had really kind of a narrower viewpoint of what Asia was, I guess. I didn't realize all of the different com- countries that were involved, you know, the Chinese, Japanese, Indian, Korean, Vietnamese, Cambodians. I have no idea how Hmong, mm-hmm. Filipinos. And, but the, thing is they had talked about a man and then I'm going to shut up and let you go but uh, he had come to this country he came in 1928 and it's like the same thing is going on now he became a naturalized citizen he got a, a store he owned a home he tried to move into another home into Berkeley but neighbors blocked the house they had to take their luggage trucks and leave because he got ensnared in anti-Asian laws. Right. Because the Supreme Court in 1923 ruled that Asians weren't white and could not become naturalized citizens. He was stripped of his status. And underneath the California Alien Land Law of 1913, the piece of racial legislation was designed to deter Asians from encroaching on white businesses and farms, which meant that he lost his property and business. Then he went back to India, where he was from. When he tried to come back, the United States refused him entry and told him he had to have a British passport. Yep. I was just, like, stunned. And you and I had talked about Donald Trump and how close he was to calling... um, talking about Asians as Chinamen. Yet, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he made his Chinaman comment with the eyes and all that kind of stuff and I was like, "Oh my god, I could not believe what I was seeing." Yeah. And I mean there's this the whole thing with, you know, Jeb Bush saying, "Oh no, I was talking anchor babies, I was talking about the Chinese instead of the Hispanics." What and, the heck? Yeah, pretty much. And it was like, yeah, there was, an, there was another instance, I think it was the early 1900s, where there was a Chinese man born in the U.S. He, what, he had, you know, citizen, he, he had birthright citizenship. Um, well, the problem is, he, was on, he went back to China to visit relatives and was, almost refu- and was practically refused entry to come back. Oh, my gosh. That time because they thought, oh, no, you're, you know, China, Chinese aren't citizens. But I think the Supreme Court actually, excuse me, actually ruled that, yes, he actually he was but he'd had gone, he'd gone through so much other crap in the meantime that he was like, yeah, he went back. He went back to China and never came back. The, the second time he went, oh it, my it's, gosh. It, yeah, it's something that it's not really talked about. Where you know all these anti-Asian laws and you and it's like, yeah, during the you know Japanese internment and all that for World War II, 
nobody ever wonders why there was no Chinese detained, but that was because we, the Chinese people weren't allowed in the country. They were still, it was still under the Magnuson Act that, yeah, the Chinese were excluded from even immigrating by that point. That didn't change until 1947, 1948. Wow. Mm. You know, and I didn't even realize that. And then there was another guy that committed, and I'm sure he wasn't the only one, in 1965, he committed suicide because he felt like he was just trapped, mm-hmm. you know, because of the systematic racism. And, of course, you know, we have that with um, our black brothers and sisters. Right. And then you have Trump coming in, mimicking um, a Japanese or a Chinese accent, supposedly, the old Rush stereotype. Limbaugh. Right, huh? then you have Rush Limbaugh pretending to speak Chinese and... And every yeah, time I, I hear it, that. it infuriates yeah. me. Uh, yeah, and I people and, and people like you know Sui Park, who I don't have, she doesn't have any credibility with me because yeah, she jumped all over Stephen Colbert, but said nothing about Rush Limbaugh. And I got I, I got the excuse, oh well, that was a couple of years ago when she was younger then. What about that other Asian chick? She's a Republican. She'd be on Fox News all the time. What is her name again? Michelle Malkin, I think. Yeah, and she's yeah. Asian. Yeah, she's Asian. She she married a white man. Ah. But that's that's like with Condoleezza Rice. I mean, you know, yeah, no offense that's to true. Joey or anybody else, but it's like with Condoleezza Rice, Ben Carson, and mm-hmm. you know, Herb, what's his oh, face? Uh, Herb, and Herman Cain. Well, Herman yeah, Cain. Herman Cain even from from la- from last from from last election cycle, where it was like, you know, like yeah, they're trying they're to white up or something. Pretty much. And yeah. I, I, yeah, Clarence pra- Thomas too, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Th- those people practically sold their souls. They sold their souls. That's all. They sold their souls to the devil. Right, and, pe- and, and these people, people are like, well, evil. You know, yeah, and and you know some other people are like, well, you know, you know, you're racist for saying that, and I'm like, no, that they they practice. I've got mine and yours, so fuck you. Right. Pardon my language, but that's no, that's fine. Thing, that seems to be the way you know things go. Is just. I don't understand why anybody would support the Republican Party because, quite frankly, they're a bunch of racists at this point. They are. They absolutely are. And when you were talking about anchor babies, I thought, <clears throat> you know, I, you know, but again, I have blonde hair, blue eyes, all right? Mm-hmm. Makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate that it does, but it does. Um, Our family came from Sweden and Denmark. We had one branch that was here, Mm -hmm. um, Native American, so we've got a little... My skin is darker than most people's with blonde hair and blue eyes, but Mm -hmm. um, that's due to my one grandma. Mm -hmm. And Sister Joe's skin is darker because of that. But when you have a grandfather that emigrated then my dad would be the anchor baby, right? Is that what they're mm-hmm. talking about? Probably, except, except you don't, you know, that doesn't matter since you're, you know, you're white. White, okay, but, yeah, that's but, what I was and, wondering. And, and here's the thing. I've, I've always joked about, yeah, I'm an anchor baby, but with, the, with them wanting to, you know, the Republican Party wants to, you know, wants to completely repeal the 14th Amendment and birthright citizenship, as I, I, I believe I said this on Kenny's show, if they repeal birthright citizenship, my mother keeps her citizenship. She naturalized when I was 14. Which I means my, you'd have I, to go back. Yeah, which means... But we'll go back where? You live here. 
exactly. I'm, and, you know, this, this is where I've been all my life. I was born here. My, you know, my, and sure, I have family in China and Taiwan, but... But you wouldn't know them to go no, live with them. Well, I, I do know them because I visited them enough, but at the same time, my socialization skills and, and culture are, you know, for, this, for the United States. Right. Not for China or Taiwan. Ah, uh, yes, definitely, definitely. You know, cultu- yeah. culturally, I'm culturally I'm American. Eth- eth- ethnically, I'm not. Right. If, if they if they have their way. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just stunned because um, this article and you have opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't really notice, and I guess because people don't talk about Asians being discriminated against. You don't think about it. I mean, I guess maybe I've not heard that until I started hearing you say stuff. And then I ran across that article and then my little eyes, the scales started coming off and I started going, oh, now I know what she was saying. Right. And then there, and then there's also the, you know, yeah, you know, I, you know, the whole thing, Black Lives Matter, I do get it because blacks are being disproportionately shot and killed and beaten up by police. But when was the last time you, like I've said before, when was the last time you heard so, you heard of somebody white being roughed up by the cops? Exactly. It's, you know, Native Americans, Latinos, Asians, and blacks. Anybody that doesn't have white skin. Yeah, and this guy, this guy in Colorado Springs, I'm like, really? Yeah. He's alive. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't shoot him before they stopped the car. Right. And and um, this guy, the, the guy in in Charleston who killed all the, you know who killed all the parishioners at the um, at the at the church. It's like they put a bulletproof vest on him. And the guy at the movie and bought him a too. Wendy's. Mm-hmm. And the guy at the movie theater. Right. The Joker yeah. fellow. That guy. Mm-hmm. It's oh like you, yeah, you, you've got all these white white people doing all this shooting. And they get captured alive while, while people like Tamir Rice and I'm not going to try and pronounce the guy's name in Chicago who got murdered by the police. It's like they were, you know, they were really in no danger. And even the whole thing with Michael Brown or, or even the girl in the, in, the, you know, in the classroom who had her arm broken by that cop who threw her around in the desk. It's like, really? Officer Slam, yeah. He yeah. did finally get fired. He should, be, he, he should have more than that happen to him, in my opinion. He should be going to jail. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's this is all due to the militarization, you know, and the and also too, I worry about women, but not in the same sense that the minorities have to worry about. And I think that you know, we all have to focus on the minority and that the women's will come with it. Right. Or maybe then, we do it together. I don't and know. I I forget that Sandra Bland, yeah, Sandra Bland died in Houston, but that same week there was a Chinese guy who also who also supposedly committed suicide by hanging himself using his clothing. It was also the same police department. Oh my God! Mm. Nobody nobody talked about it, and I'm like, okay, I understand Black Lives Matter, but this guy, do we really think he hung himself, or do you think do we think the police killed him? Well, how about on the reservations? I mean, I right. belong to the Lakota right newsletter, and I get I get those all the time. The uh, the Lakota news. And almost every single week, they'll find um, an Indian girl or 
uh, a native on the a guy that's taken into custody and they never see him again. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, that kid from Chicago, his name is Laquan McDonald. Right. I didn't, I didn't want to mangle his name. So I. Yeah, he's sure. uh, he was they said he was hyped up on PCP and had a knife, but he was walking. I saw the video. He was walking, he was walking away, walking away. And he got gunned down like an animal. Right. And then and there was a times and he yeah. didn't even. Yeah. And that knife was was uh, folded up. Right. Well, and like Joe says, too, don't let them separate us by race, ethnicity or religion. It's about mm. corporate mindset. Yeah. And, and I, I think I, mean, I, I think that's what they're doing to us because the only people that are going to have any kind of privilege, it seems to me, are going to be white elitist men, not white men with um, no money. Mm-hmm. And like some of these poor folks, you know, poor white folks, you know, taking up for these people kind of remind know. me. Kind of remind me of like, uh, Don't blame you know, me, you please. have a you have a master and a dog, right? Yeah. And the master gonna have his dog out there chained to a chained to a tree, and everyone who comes up gonna bark, and he gonna throw him little scraps here and there. That's what that kind of remind me. Of. I'm not calling white people dogs or nothing like that. Don't get me wrong, but, but you know that's where, that's where the rich that's, people treat. Yeah, you know, rich, rich. rich people treat poor poor white people. You know, because they you know they don't give a damn about them. They they just got they talk where I come from. What they say is he got good game. They got good game. They can mm-hmm. get in your ear, you know. I mean, there was also the whole thing with Rodney King back in back in the you know early late eighties, early nineties. Um, they they claimed he was he was speeding and hyped up on PCP too. Problem. I drove mm-hmm. a Hyundai XL before. They don't go as fast as they claim they claim he did. They, they were claiming 120 miles an hour when they pulled him over. And um, I'm like, that that car did not have that pow- that much power in that engine. Well, and like Scooter says, if if they keep trying to build a wall between us, but they know they won't win. I mean, if we stick together, right. we can win. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, we've got a fight on our hands. Oh, we've got a hell of a fight. But you know what, though? I'm going to tell you like this, and I'm going to tell you the audience and everybody. I would die trying, literally die trying, because I'm not going back to what my mother and and and, and her relatives, you know, before her went through. No way. I'm not going to do it. I'm not either. I'm not going to do it. So they better get ready for a fight. I ain't talking about violence or nothing like that, you know. I just want to put my voice out there. Right. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to go back to being a woman in the or growing up in the 60s i'm older than dirt so i was born in 52 (laughs) so i mean i don't want to have to keep saying why grandma why do the men do this or why is it that we're not you know i don't need to go to science class why is it that blah 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 you know Mm -hmm. that's not fair well life isn't fair just do it and, I, you know, I don't want my daughters and granddaughters. My daughters don't understand how many rights that they're losing because they've never seen, they never saw the disparity until about now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, join us and fight because you're going to lose it for my granddaughter mm-hmm. or my niece. You know, and information is right. a powerful weapon. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just too scary. It's just 
too scary. We have to fight. And it's all of our voices. You know, like hearing what you have to say adds on to what Joey has to say or it adds on to what I read about in the Lakota News. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you realize it's not. And even if it was just one group, we still have to fight. I didn't I didn't mean it that way. It's just that you see a huge pattern. Mm-hmm. And oh, instead yeah. And then you heard about what how the um, Colorado Springs shooters being categorized, right? Oh, he was a no. gentle loner. But gentle just, loner? But he has a history of domestic violence and, you know, and racist and, and sexist comments and violence against women and, uh, and minority groups. <laughs> gentle? Oh, yeah. He's a gentle, all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I was watching on the news earlier. They showed a little clip, you know, the local news. They, they, stories like that, they, they have maybe two minutes of the story. Mm-hmm. And I seen the shithole he lived in. Really? It was a, yeah, it was a big messed up. It was a, a single wide trailer with windows busted out with an old Volkswagen sitting on the side with grass growing around it. So go figure. And he said, they said, he said that uh, the reason why he done is because of Planned Parenthood doing abortions and he don't have... And I'm just paraphrasing here, you know, he have a whole lot of things against the government and Planned Parenthood about them doing abortions or some crap. And, and no see they, y'all see what that guy looks like? All scraggly looking, look like a homeless guy. Scooter says most cars don't go 120 miles an hour unless you drop them from a plane. <laughs> <laughs> or, or unless they're souped up for like NASCAR or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. No. Or <laughs> what the street racers have, you you know, yeah. you know, you you put put about ten grand up under a hood of a Hyundai. Yeah, you can probably get a hundred twenty out of it. <laughs> you got to have a lot of money <laughs> to soup it up to go that fast. Yeah. Joe says, "Why don't I get paid the same for the same work? Why do they send men to jail who beat other men and women who get beat go to a shoulder and the man goes free?" Very true. I used to never understand how come if a woman killed an abusive husband you know while she's getting beat she goes to prison for the rest of her wife the man kills the wife at half the time he walks or gets a light sentence you know mm-hmm. kind of a slap on the wrist right and then there was you know the whole thing with um george zimmerman i'm like oh my oh gosh God, man. joy was that. telling us yeah, about I'll tell you that you, yeah man that, that, that instagram a- Oh man, that guy! I mean, he's been lying since the beginning, and I'm like, yeah. really? People are defending this asshole? Yeah. Did you? Joey was saying that he posted a Instagram. After, it, it, uh, no, no, a it was picture. it was a Twitter. It was on his Twitter. He retweeted the picture of, of Trayvon Martin's follow. body, and and on the picture it said, uh, uh, "What did it say? Uh, 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 something Z, Mister Z, or something." It's a one-man army or some shit like that, you know. And he, you know, responded to you know to it and everything, and you know. But Twitter took it down real quick. But it's too late now. Everybody got it. Yeah. Your days are numbered, buddy. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's somebody's gonna, gonna kick his ass. Yeah. Tom's somebody's gonna, gonna kill. Him. Somebody's gonna kill him. Oh, and yeah. People pissed off, and he got some bad people pissed off now. Wow. Post the picture. Of dead Trayvon Martin. Why? You know, what? Why, are why you, you want to do is 
you know, his parents, the, the boy's parents are still grieving over that. that. Don't he know, you know what I'm saying? I see it in my mother's eyes because I, I lost my sister back in 1987 at a concert. And I still see the hurt in her eyes today. And that was like, you know, that was, you know, over 20 years ago. Yeah. And I still see the hurt in my mama's eyes every time I see her. And he going to pull he, some he crap knows, like this? He, does, yeah, he knows and he doesn't give a shit. That's as close as I can figure. He knows he doesn't give a shit, and he's all he feels. He figures he's all big and bad because he killed somebody. And he's, he's like the rest of, of them, don't you think, Christina? Trash. Sociopath. Yeah. He's trash. He's a punk. Well, he's. I, I think like, I'm telling them early. I don't know they had to do. Put me in a room with him. Put me in an empty room with him for 15 minutes. All you need me. I only had to be armed. Just put me in a room with him. 50. Let me have him for 15 minutes. Just make sure he isn't armed. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna make sure of that. Because <laughs> he's already he's already killed one guy. He's he. I don't think he has any compunction of trying trying to kill somebody else. Because I don't think he thinks anybody other than himself is human. Yeah, man, that was dirty. That was real dirty. With the uh, it goes to show, it's a lot of it's a lot of mean people in this world, in this country. A lot of mean people. Mm-mm-mm. There are, unfortunately. Um, like Joe says, he'll get the best defense a white supremacist can pay for, or the Republican Party. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a difference? <laughs> no. <laughs> the line is quite slim. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's not. It's good to joke about that sometimes, but at the same time, I'm watching what the Republicans are doing, and it's like, is there a difference? It's scary really? and dangerous. You are right. You are right. That's why Definitely. we got to fight, man. We got to get out there and fight. We got to vote. We got to encourage people to vote. You know, we got to talk to people. Look, man, they trying to take our rights day by day. You better get your butt out there and vote. You know, you going to work every day. Yes, cool. You know, you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, you got people passing crazy laws three o'clock in the morning in our states. And, mm-hmm. you know, you waking up and saying, I, I didn't know that was that, you know. And, Joey, it's not even just the southern states. Watching Wisconsin yep. do what it's doing, it's like under, you know, Walker and the oh, Fitzgeralds. Yeah. I'm like, what? No, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. We should have been, we should have been long past this, but it, <sighs> I'm speechless for, ha- for half the yeah. stuff that's going on. I understand. Yeah. Uh, Southern Georgia. strategy. Yep. Georgia's mm-hmm. another state. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's awful. Well, we we do have to run to a break. Uh, Caitlin, th- this is something I don't normally do, um, but there were a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you. Uh, if you're not able to, I completely understand, but would you be willing to stay with us a little bit longer? Sure. Okay, great. Well, uh, what we're going to do real quick is run to a break. Uh, I will make it as brief as possible, and we will be right back here on Southern Progressive Revival. Everybody's going, yay! <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. We need to make sure that our education systems are in place. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Are you ready for the fastest hour in radio? Listen every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern to Paul's Memory Bank exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. DJ Paul will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. 
be sure to sign up in the Paul's Memory Bank chat. Simply go to IndieMediaWeekly.com, select the Live tab, and scroll down to Paul's Memory Bank. Paul's Memory Bank, live every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Indie Media Weekly. Come, come walk with me, Michael S. Sharball, through the broken doorway, where you will discover the freshest in pop, rock, psychedelic, ambient, and experimental musics. 11 a.m. Saturdays and Wednesdays, and only on IndieMediaWeekly.com. Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and be sure to listen to my music program, The Night Show, every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. The Night Show features a broad selection of eclectic music from my personal library, as well as your requests. So be sure to visit IndieMediaWeekly.com and find the tab for The Night Show. Join the chat and submit your requests every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern on The Night Show. Only on Indie Media Weekly. IndieMediaWeekly.com for those who dare. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. Too busy giving tax handouts to large corporations, the Republicans haven't been working for the middle class. And as a result, many families are still struggling to make ends meet. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. I am your host, Jonathan Matthews, and uh, we are here at the bottom of the second hour, and we are going to be doing a rare continuation of our Damn Yankee segment. Uh, so first, since she is our guest, I would like to welcome back to the program, Ms. Caitlin Chris. Welcome back, ma'am. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And, uh, of course, joining uh, me are my two wonderful co-hosts, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, hey. <laughs> Yes, and uh, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Hi. I am so happy that you're staying extra, too, Christina. And Me good too. to see everybody in chat. Yes, indeed. It is wonderful to have you all listening and in chat. Unfortunately, I am not there because I have yet to master the hosting a show and chatting uh, thing there. But one day, I, I, it well, is a Joey goal. Joey and I are doing it for you. Well, I, I very much appreciate that. <laughs> but... Uh, Caitlin, I, I have to admit that when I found out that you were going to be on the show, I was so excited because I have a very good friend named Jamie. Um, he calls himself an ABC, American-born Chinese. That's the term that he prefers. Right. Um, that, that, is the common ex- that is the common term, yes. Okay, great. Um, honestly, didn't know if that was a unique thing for him or not, so th- that's good to know. Um, but yeah, he, he grew up in Texas. Uh, right now, he was born here, so, you know, he has birthright citizenship. Right now, he is working in China because he can make a lot more money there. Um, but before the show started, uh, I had a conversation with him because really, before this campaign season, other than having heard about the Japanese internment camps... And, of course, the building of the rail uh, roads with pretty much slave wages uh, with uh, Chinese immigrants. Um, I I hadn't heard a whole lot about Asian racism. Um, I I grew up in the the South. I grew up in North Carolina. 
Uh, I knew one kid who was of Vietnamese descent. Um, the only thing that I ever saw her being picked on about was the fact that she was small. Um, and that was it. But I got into a conversation with my friend about it, who grew up in Texas, and he told me all the terrible things that were said to him growing up on a regular basis. Um, you know, people would slant their eyes, and they would call him uh, Ching Chong, or yeah, basically... Yeah, happened to me too. Yeah, so that was actually the question that I was going to get to, because you were raised in the North, correct? Well, I, born in Mad- I was born in Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. And we, my parents moved out to California when I was seven, so it was, you know, Southern California as well. Um, but when I was about 11 or 12, a bunch of white kids basically told me to go back where I came from. Wow. I was in California at the time, and I'm like, Wisconsin? Sure, no problem. But it, that, that was basically <laughs> to, make me, to make me feel better. Because yeah. honestly, it was like, go back to where I came from? I'm as much a citizen as you as you as you guys are. I don't know what, where you're getting this, you know, that I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and and you you answered my question before I was able to ask it because I was curious as to whether that was just uh, a southern phenomenon that he had to endure that. Um, but to hear that that happened in California, that's absolutely amazing. Mid '80s California. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, there's, you know, I've encountered that sort of thing, you know, even since then, where, you know, okay, they were, you know, they were young kids, they were fairly young kids, and I was, you know, I was almost in my 30s, and, you know, there's people going, you know, I was on a Chinese bus tour through, like, you know, northern, it was, you know, it was the Rocky Mountain area in Canada, and they were like, you know, imitating the whole, you know, ching chong, ching chong thing. And I turned around and said, I speak English perfectly fine, thanks. Walked off. And as I was walking off, I heard this, ooh, busted. So I'm like, listen, if, I, if, if I've actually managed to change them, the, the little kids who were doing that, to be able, to, you know, to not do that to anybody because they don't know that they may come across somebody who knows how to speak English because, Oh, I don't know. They're on the bus tour because they may be ethnically Chinese, but they speak English because they're American or Canadians. Even I'm hoping I was able to change that. But in the meantime, since then, the two most recent incidents of racism that I've come across. Um, one of them, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, on a, on a business trip, but I had some time, had some free time, so I went wandering yarn shops because I, you know, I knit, crochet, and spin and stuff like that. It was kind of, it was really subtle, but one of the yarn shops I walked into, the lady, one of the customers, gave me this, she either glared or looked, just gave me this look like, you don't, what are you doing in here, you don't belong here, sort of thing, as she walked out. And I was like, I don't know what your problem is, I belong here as much as you do. I mean, I didn't say it, but it was a matter of, you know, it was, it was really uncomfortable. And the second, which, which happened only about a month or two ago, I was getting getting my driver's license changed over because I I moved like three months ago, and I was very nearly, you know, they didn't I didn't very nearly didn't get get to register to vote because, you know, they didn't ask me oh you want to change your voter registration over, it wasn't until Nova Moonlight mentioned something about oh you know you know they they had me change over you know voter registration that I'm like they didn't ask me that, huh? And hmm. Nova's white. 
or at least she passes for white. She's got some Native American in her too, uh, but that's not my story to tell. Right. But even, even still, it was, you know, I went back in there and I'm like, um, I need to register to vote. And, she, and the guy who originally helped me didn't say anything, but there was two other people at the, at that, at the desk that morning. And, you know, the lady's like, okay, we'll just, you know, we'll just reissue your license and, you know, put you in to vote as well. Hmm. So I'm like, you know. Oh, my and, God. Yeah, mm. the, the, the wow. question was asked, you are a citizen, right? And I'm like, yep, born and bred. Mm. Oh, my God. That's terrible. And so, can I ask a quick question? Sure. Have, have you noticed more racism in younger kids or older people, or is it getting so that it's the same now? Um, it's more on the older generation, it seems. The, young, the younger kids, I think some of them are... So it's sort of like with the sexual orientation question of, I don't care. Yeah. You know, and but the, the older generation seems to be, you know, seems to be the ones at least doing the staring and stuff. That's what I like about the millennials. They don't care. You know, as long yeah. as you cool, they, you, you know, they cool with you. <laughs> yeah, That's why like, I see you know, a whole lot of millennials. It's like, it's like what Will Wheaton says, you know, don't be a dick. As long as you're not a dick to them, they don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of I, I kind of want to ask you, this might be a provocative question, but um, uh, I, I cannot think of anybody who could answer it better. Um, of course, we went through we, we hasn't been very long, unfortunately, but we've gone through a period of time where overt discrimination, not systemic uh, towards African-Americans has been diminished it's it's on the rise again i'm not saying that it doesn't exist it's still out there but it's it's not as strong as it once was where using the n-word on a frequent basis was acceptable 40 50 years ago mm-hmm. um why do you think it is that people still today think that it's okay to be overtly discriminatory and use racial epithets towards asian americans Because we're not considered a part of the political process, honestly. Listening to there's there has basically been not very much. I mean, there's you know talk about oh you know Asians eat dogs, Asians eat pets, you know keep them away from us because you know. And then there's the the whole exoticism sort of trope to it, and I'm like, and the, a couple years ago I was going I went to um. Stephanie Miller's, you know, the sexy liberal show in Chicago, mm. and I was, you know, there was a homeless homeless person who was mentally ill, and okay, maybe, you know, he was African American, but even still, I got called China doll, and you know, let me help you out, and blah blah blah. There was a crowd of people around me in Nova because she she'd gone with me, and nobody said anything. I don't think Nova knew what to say, so it's you know, in. Everybody else was, you know, was white and somewhat affluent, and they said nothing. Huh. And so there was like, oh, I, I was made really uncomfortable with the whole China doll comment. But honestly, it's like, yeah, so, you know, they, they've done the whole racism thing for so long. They've basically, you know, yeah, yeah, it's black versus white, mm-hmm. or you know, and black versus black, and you know, everybody versus the Latino. But Asians? Oh no, they don't matter. Right, and well, 
but me well and nova said i didn't know what to do i'm still mad at myself for that and for, uh, me, for me personally and you know what you just educated me uh kate you just ed- educated me on that but you know i just had i me myself personally i've been having uh the, you know a, a struggle on my own you know especially being a black man in america in the south mm-hmm. you know and you you probably can't imagine the things that you know i endured Growing up in the seventies and the eighties, oh, know, I've, I've heard I, about what, you know. I've heard about what goes on, and I'm like, that's yeah. that's definitely not right either. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying and to you take. You know, I pay attention anything. more. I tell you one thing: I will pay attention more and educate myself more on how people treat change people. Because, and you know, back in the eighties when I was break dancing, you know, I hung with with two Laotian cats that we, you know, we we uh, they break dance with me and you know and they was they was cool and didn't nobody around the neighborhood because you know the neighborhood we lived in was mostly were just practically black and mm-hmm. didn't nobody bother them or nothing you know we didn't make fun of them or nothing they were just cool yeah, you I know mean, and they loved the way we break dance together and stuff yeah i mean a couple of uh, you know for a couple of years in, in when i was in grade school i went to a majority black school and they did do the you know slant eyes and you know uh, that all that other stuff and i was like Really? You, but I, th- I think it was just a matter of because I was the only Asian there. They figured, you know, you know, that's it was cool and all that. And I was like, at this point, you know, these days I really don't care. But at the same time, honestly, you, you don't do. like it. You don't like it done to you, right. but mm-hmm. yet you're doing it to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then See, there was also. Yeah, there's a, there's a group do, on there's a group on Tumblr that was like you know women of color, but every time I mentioned, well, yeah, but what about you know Asians and people are like, no, you you guys don't, you're not women of color. You're what you're you know you're privileged and you're and you're more white. And I'm like, what? What? You haven't lived my <laughs> life. I don't see that. <laughs> I don't see that at all because y'all got the same struggle we do. Exactly. But you know we endured uh, uh you know a whole lot harsh harsh uh you know things happened to us you know we got hung houses mm-hmm. burnt livestock killed terrorized just because we wanted to vote you know and and but i understand your struggle though because yeah. i got and, the same and we struggle. Weren't allowed to be, you know the asians weren't allowed to be um weren't allowed to be naturalized until you know the 1940s mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. well we weren't Scooters. even allowed in the country Scooter says, I had some horribly racist friends and a couple of relatives. I've given reasoning with them. They're just going to have to die for it to end. And I, I don't know. I, that's the truth. I mean, probably because some of them absolutely are not going to change, are they? No. But I was going to ask you on that thing with the voting that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, they were talking about a lot of Latinos didn't vote because they, didn't, they wanted to be quiet and not be noticed. Do you think Asians do the same thing, American Asians? Yes, unfortunately. Just, okay, that's what I was wondering when Jonathan was asking about the voting, or you said, um, because that was their response. I heard from Jorge Lovegas or mm-hmm. on um, MIP that he was talking about that. That, but because of Trump and some and the other stuff that's been going on. Um, he thinks it's going to be a whole different ball game this time. Yeah, I mean, I was I, uh, prior to what Jeb Bush said about Chinese being anchor babies. I was occasionally joking and like, yeah, I'm one of those thrice anchor babies that you know the Republicans hate so much. And then suddenly it starts popping up, and I'm like, 
I was sort of kidding, but I, but you know, listening to everything else, I'm like, yeah, I am an anchor baby because, you know, change the ethnicity and basically, you know, I was born in this country and my, you know, my parents were on grad student um, visas when they, when I was born. Wow. Mm. So you're first generation. Pretty much. I yeah, mean, we're my, second. My, my my first my first language was Chinese. I didn't learn English until I was you know in preschool. Wow. See, Joe and I um, we're second, but we have a grandma that's um, was Indian, American mm-hmm. Indian, native, and some a bunch of other stuff. But she came over, I think, on the Mayflower. But they were stole some horses in England or something. I don't know exactly what happened, but. <laughs> <laughs> they got the first boat out of England. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I, that's just, but again, you know, it depends on where you're at. And I don't know, I, I just, I like Joey, this has been such an eye opener. And I'm just so grateful that you came on and talked because there is not a lot of Asian Americans that speak out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so That's how do the rest get, of we us... Get the attention, we get the attention and then we get all these racist, you know. I think what it partially is is the fact that the Latinos and the Asian community watch what, you know, the whites are doing to the, to the African Americans and we don't mm-hmm. want that. We don't want that yeah. directed at us, but the moment we speak out because of, you know, crap that, you know, Trump or Jeb Bush say... It's like we've got to speak out because if we don't, you know, our rights are going to get taken away just as well as everybody else because we're not white. You know, yeah. we're not white. And fact of the matter is, it's like, yeah, the, the, apparently the presiding assumption if you're not white in Iowa is, oh, no, you're not a citizen. Well, my Dane County, Wisconsin birth certificate will tell, me, will tell you otherwise. Yeah. What is Hmong? H-M-O-N-G? Uh, I, think I, I read that an, in the article. Huh? Yeah, they're an, they're an ethnic group that I believe came out of either Cambodia or Vietnam. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but I'm 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 ethnic, I'm ethnically Chinese because my mother was born in mainland China. My brother, my sorry, my brother, my father was born in Taiwan. So yeah. So you are China. Yeah. Huh. See, and yeah. I just did not even think about all the different groups that entailed Chinese. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here talking to your picture, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a lovely picture, might I say. Huh? <laughs> and it's a lovely picture, might I say. I can't see but, I, I love that hat. I just see the icon. That's all I see on her. <laughs> I don't see a picture. <laughs> yeah, but um, I just, yeah, I just, I, I want to sort of echo their sentiments. You know, it, it it's educational. I'm, I'm glad. Well, I, I can't say that I hate to use that term, but I don't know how else to use it. Um, it it's it's interesting. I think that's a better term to know that the discrimination that my my friend has experienced is not just a southern problem. Um, and I hope sincerely that individuals like yourself and others within the Asian community will come together uh, to fight. And to make a difference, um, I know uh, once we're done here, we're, we're going to be discussing the comments that George Takei made after the uh, Ronald Mayer came out and said that 
denying immigrants from Syria would be perfectly fine because uh, when World War II happened, the Japanese Americans were interned. So that I, gives us I carte blanche. That, yeah, when I when I saw that, my first reaction was, "Okay, thanks, Mr. Mayor. You gave me an excuse never to go to Roanoke while you're in office." Yep, <laughs> it's terrible. And um, Scooter and Snork, and I hate to interrupt again, but Hamong are a ethnic group from the mountainous regions of China, Vietnam, Laos, and Thailand. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I just, I, yeah, it's unreal, and I'm sorry but for interrupting there, but very interesting, this whole, yeah. and it's kind of hard to digest in this one conversation because it, my brain is going from one thing to another. Yeah, it's, just, it's one of those things that you don't hear a lot about. And when you have an opportunity like this and, and you learn so much so quickly, it's sort of difficult to figure out what to ask next or what to say next. Um, but uh, I, I think maybe something that would be appropriate, and if you don't have anything, I, I understand at, at the ready. Um, but are there any online organizations, support communities, anything for Asian Americans that we as listeners could go to and help support? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I could probably start looking. I mean, I, that there's, you know, all I can do is start looking because, you know, I'd like to know myself really. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I mean, Hey, if you can do that, I will certainly do it myself and, uh, we will get that up on our Facebook page and share that as much as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, like we've said before, and like Joey says at the end of his segment, each time that he's done it, uh, you know, it's it's not, it's everybody together, and we have to fight together yeah. in order right. to make things different. So, this uh, is my country, this is your country, this is our country. Let's come together, make it a better country. Absolutely. Agreed, Joey. <laughs> and as I was about to say, yeah, you know, and if you want me to come back at some future date, I'd be perfectly That'd be willing to. awesome. That yeah, would be I love, awesome. I would love that. <clears throat> Finally yeah. get to talk to Kate. I, I talk, I, you know, I chat with you sometimes in the chat room and stuff. Finally get to hear your voice. <laughs> I would yeah. love to because I know that after we start digesting some of this, there's going to be other questions, and right. um, so that would be wonderful. Right, and, I, and it's like I can't speak for the entire community because I'm really only speaking for me. But right. I can't, I can't imagine that I'm the only one going through some of this, some of the same crap that goes, you know, that goes on for you know other people of you know either other ethnic groups or possibly you know the, you know non. This is why I constantly focus in on white male Christian, mm. right? Because right. I mean, it affects the, what goes on. Seems to affect you know. Women too, and you, you know you have to be a certain dem- denomination of Christianity. It seems because if you're not, they're like, oh no, then you're not really Christian either. Right. And I don't understand. I don't understand the difference. But you know, I'm neither. You know, I'm not white. I'm not Christian, and I'm not male. So yeah, I got so sick of that. I mean, I just quit going to church. Just totally stopped because of the things that were said. You know, that I I didn't feel was directed at me and I wasn't about to just sit around and burn every time I went to church when I heard all the patriotic patriotic patriarchal thank you (laughs) 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 commands that they shove down your throat you know (laughs) 
Well, uh, me sometimes I <clears throat> I would go to church with my moms. You know, she go to church. You know, and she love a pastor. You know, he's a good guy. He came to see me three times when I was critical condition in the hospital and everything. And I feel like he's a good guy, and, and she she loves him, and, and she worships, and you know, go every Sundays every now and then. I drive it there and stuff. I go sit and listen to the sermon and come home, and you know, it's it's okay. It's all good. Yeah, you just have to put your foot down when it comes to religious extremism, yeah. regardless yeah. of what religion yeah. it comes from. Because why here in his church, I, you know, the, these other ones like these big, you know, these televangelists, Evangelist, it's totally different, man. Totally. Yeah. So what? And what? He don't politicize or nothing. You know, he just speak the word. That's all. And I'm going to ask a real quick question. You don't have to answer. But what religion would that be, Caitlin? Baptist. Oh no, oh, Caitlin. Oh, For me, oh, I figured you were Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> I, I started out in a non-religious household. Went to church, for, went to, bounced around because my parents moved around so often, um, mm. cr- various Christian churches, and then about 14 or 15, I'm presuming it was probably, you know, whatever power there is out there saying that you personally cannot, cannot have both science and religion. You have to choose one or the other, and I chose science, so. Okay. Well, I didn't, and what, but what would be a normal well, I don't know if there is a normal, but say China. Well, they don't have them in China, do they? Religion. Well, it's is they, that Buddhist, Confu- Confucianism, Buddhism, that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, they're non-theistic religions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, we do things about mm. with religion too. So I was thought I get throw that question in real quick. See, I got we got to have her back because I got I absolutely. Can, <laughs> I got other we gotta topics have, coming hey, up. Hey, hey Kate, we you, we gotta have you back, and I got your back, baby. Don't worry. Thanks, Joey. <laughs> got your back. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, right so unfortunately, we have uh, reached an hour, and it's time for another break. But I, Caitlin, I want to thank you so much for being on the program. This has truly been a delight. It's been educational. I cannot wait to have you back, and I want to thank you for keeping us in line here on the program. Uh, you always notice whenever something goes wrong and let us know about it. So we definitely appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> thank you, thank so you, Joey. Much. Thank right. you so much for staying thank over. You. And I know I told you a half hour, but thank you for being so gracious. Not a problem. All right. Okay. Thanks. You have a great night, Caitlin. Uh, you as well. Thanks. Alrighty. Bye-bye. See you in chat. Bye-bye. All right, so that has been our, uh, oh, Janet disconnected from the call, but that is okay. We will get her back. Uh, so that has been I'm our, back. welcome back. <laughs> so that has been our uh, Damn Yankee segment with uh, just Caitlin. Caitlin, yeah, and it was uh, amazing, and I am a little speechless here. Um, but yes. Heart, She's got a good heart. She has a very good heart and a lot of wisdom to share, and I hope yeah. to have her back on the program very, very soon. Uh, so we are going to go ahead and run to a break. I am going to play a song on this one so that we can all cleanse our palates before we get back into the uh, Syrian refugee debacle. Uh, so do stay tuned. We will be right back here with you on Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We're the people you see every day. In the grocery stores, we obey the laws, we pay our taxes, we fly our flags on holidays. 
And we plod along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Somebody asked me the other day, they was like, who is the Coke Brothers? How come you don't like them? Well, uh. Some people get erections while buying up elections. There be no protection to guarantee your selection. They made an investment, so voters they suppressing. Plus a million commercials confusing the message. People say, what is this? But politics is business. Poor and middle class are on the bottom of the shit list. Rich get a wish list. Poor don't get no Christmas. Middle class is dismissed. I guess you must have missed this. Guess you must have tuned out. Now it's time to tune in. If you don't pay attention, won't know what they be doing. How much shit they ruin. Riches they pursuing, they think it's a shoe-in, but who they think they fooling? We can see you drooling, greedy like no other, no longer undercover. Here come the Coke brothers, everybody watch out, our time is about to clock out. They won't go the distance, cause they looking for the knockout. Freedom ain't never been free, freedom ain't never been free. Where's democracy? Freedom ain't never been free, freedom ain't never been free. Hypocrisy, freedom ain't never been free. Freedom ain't never been free. Democracy. Freedom ain't never been free. Freedom ain't never been free. It's R.I.P. As a result of the disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision, billionaires and large corporations can now spend an unlimited amount of money to influence the political process. The results of that decision are clear. In the coming months and years, the Koch brothers and other extraordinarily wealthy families will spend billions of dollars to elect right-wing candidates to the Senate, the House, governor's mansions, and the presidency of the United States. These billionaires already own much of our economy. That apparently is not enough. Now they want to own the United States government as well. And that's in the words of Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Light out everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. (laughs) listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the final hour of Southern Progressive Revival this Sunday, November the 29th. Uh, Did not get to do it at the top of the show, but I would like to wish everybody a happy belated Thanksgiving. I hope that you all had a wonderful time with family and friends. Uh, I know that a lot of time friends can be family, so it very well could be synonymous for you. Um, In case you were just turning in, we just had a wonderful hour-long Yankee segment with uh caitlin chris it was not only educational yeah it was amazing and 
it really gets your blood pumping and, and your heart going, and it makes you want to do something to make a difference. And it's it's those sorts of interviews and those conversations on the show that I personally enjoy the most because that's when you get stumped and you don't know what to say because you're taking in so much information and you're learning so much and you're being inspired. And I love that we are able to bring that here on the program. And I hope that that's something that we will be able to continue to do for all of you for a very long time to come. Uh, but without any further ado, I would like to welcome back our very own Ms. Producer from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri, Janet Lee. Hi, everybody, and I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I sure did. Yes, indeedy. It, and uh, yes, I, I, I have to... <laughs> I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, I, I will introduce Joey before I say this part. But uh, Joey, word, Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back, sir. Hey, hey. I, uh, I uh, hope everybody's Thanksgiving was fine. Mine was pretty good. I had a good time. Ate a lot of food and still eating leftovers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, my, uh, my, my Thanksgiving was great. It was our first Thanksgiving here in Richmond. Um... I have been on a low sodium diet for a while now because I have uh, uh, a heart condition and I also have high blood pressure. So, uh, needless to say, all the salt that comes with holiday food came as a shock to my system. So, I am yeah. currently in uh, <laughs> uh, reconsiderations about the Christmas menu to come. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that was my my happy but um, uh, somewhat uh, heart-racing Thanksgiving experience. Uh, but let's go I ahead and... You had a bird. You had a bird. Yes, I did. My daughter and daughter-in-law were trying to switch cars because you know how people come and they're leaving and Mm -hmm. so she opened up the front door and we had a nut hatch that came flying in and it was flying all over the house and landing on stuff and so we decided to shut the lights off thinking that it would go back out yeah and i got a the video of it toward the end just before it went out the back slider but you could hear my granddaughter just squealing with delight and then saying (laughs) When it got out the door, she was, she went, oh, no, gone. Aww. <laughs> Woody. Poor Alma. <laughs> it was so much fun. Oh. Man, uh, my uh, best friend, Doug, his cat, Bumper, caught a bird Thanksgiving Day and brought it in the house. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There was all kinds of birds in the house on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I just had a boring old roasted turkey. I I can't compete with these stories, but <laughs> but apparently the Southern Progressive Revival Thanksgivings this year were brought to you by birds. Everyone, yes, we had a, a turkey on the that was coming out of the oven, you know, and my son said that poor bird was so scared because it saw this other bird that we were getting ready to eat, and it thought, where the hell? How am I going to get the hell out of this place? These people are very. <laughs> It was fun. Oh, gosh, that's awesome. Oh, man. Okay, so we will get back to the stories at hand here. Um, Had to have a little bit of fun. We, you know, got to do that every now and again here on live radio because it is our uh, delight to work together and it's fun to discuss things. Um, But we sort of uh, alluded to it before Damn Yankee and we alluded to it while we were talking to Caitlin Chris. 
Uh, the mayor of Roanoke, Mr. David Bowers, stated, and we don't have any audio for this, unfortunately, that we should deny refugees entry and cited President Roosevelt's decision to sequester Japanese Americans during World War II as just cause. Now, Takei, I'm sure that everybody that's listening to this knows who George Takei is. If you do not, uh, he was a uh, Asian-American actor, Japanese-American actor, uh, who played on Star Trek, uh, the original series. Um, and since then, he has gained notoriety online. Uh, has quite the following on Facebook. Um, but Takei, as a child, was in one of these internment camps. So he decided to speak out. And he had three points to say. And those three points, and I think that these really do hit home. And, and I hope that they are as inspiring to you as they were to me. Uh, one... The internment, not a sequester, was not of Japanese foreign nationals, but of Japanese Americans, two-thirds of whom were U.S. citizens. I was one of them, and my family and I spent four years in prison camps because we happened to look like the people who bombed Pearl Harbor. It is my life's mission to never let such a thing happen again in America. Number two. There never was any proven incident of espionage or sabotage from the suspected enemies then, just as there has been no act of terrorism from any of the 1,854 Syrian refugees the U.S. already has accepted. We were judged based on who we looked like, and that is about as un-American as it gets. And the final point, point three. If you are attempting to compare the actual threat of harm from the 120,000 of us who were interned then to the Syrian situation now, the simple answer is this. There was no threat. We loved America. We were decent, honest, hardworking folks. Tens of thousands of lives were ruined over nothing. And really, I can think of no better way to put this into the gaze of reality, to look at history, to see what we can learn from what has already happened than from what George Takei said. And Joey, I know that, you know, uh, the slave experience was something that was considerably longer it was something that was vicious. It was terrible. Um, but the internment of Japanese Americans and using that as an excuse to deny Syrians entrance into this country. How despicable is that? Yeah, it's, it's real despicable. And uh, like they say, uh, if you don't uh, learn your history, it's des- you're destined to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we got to get out there and at least read. If you don't read, go online and read an e- a ebook or something. You know, learn about these things, man. About how 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 vicious you know some Americans was, you know, and and how they treated people that didn't look like them. Mm-hmm. And and it's still going on today. And we got people trying to take trying to rewind the clock, so to speak. We got to get out there, and like I said earlier, we got to get out there and fight, man. 
and and I, you know, and and my man Sulu, my hats off to you, brother. Oh yeah, he he's amazing, and and really, yeah. I I don't know. Well, I, I think it's fair to say that he is a civil rights activist in his own right because yeah, he is. You he know, is, man. Uh, I mean, not only did he manage to break into Hollywood as an Asian American actor, which is difficult in and of itself, but he didn't squander that. He he used his influence and his popularity to help the Japanese American community and the Asian American community as a whole. Um, and the fact that he's out there and he's continuing to do that uh, is is great, Janet. And um, you know, I know that you taught for a number of years, and that you know better than any of us how much there is to learn from history. Um, but to, to Cade, you know, putting this out there, setting the facts, a um, little bit of emotion in it, but but not a whole lot. Um, his commitment to seeing this never happen again. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on it? Well, it has a lot, too, to do with what Caitlin was saying. And part of what they did out in California was take that land over for the agriculture. And it was a way... It's kind of like what they're doing now with the inner cities and taking the best parts, um, gentrification. And um, to me, you know, they're taking from people with the least power. So they use the racism and the fear, and they took the land from the Japanese. They put them in internment camps because they could never get their property back when they got out. They started over again. Um, and a lot of these Asian Americans had fought for our country and were in these concentration camps. They come out and it didn't matter. It just did not matter to our country. So they get back and all of a sudden they've got these, it's where their house used to be, they've got an avocado farm or a, or whatever because someone's taken it over in the city of Detroit. Don't give them water anymore. Don't do this. Don't do that. They come back and you got a, a big old golf resort sitting on there. Um, I don't know. To me, that's kind of what I'm seeing. So unless we all wake up, we're all going to be in a camp of some kind. Absolutely. Right. Yep. I think that there's no better way to put it. Um so yeah, we've we've uh, d discussed that the the heroism of George Takei to come out and say that uh, is a very good thing, and I hope that it it resonates with a lot of people. I know that it will certainly resonate with the younger generation. Um, I hope that that's able to build against the recent tyranny that has been building on the right. Uh, but unfortunately, it's time to get into the down and dirty of it. So. Let's go ahead and take a turn to Gander at the Soapbox. Gander at the Soapbox. Gosh darn it, who diddly I'm conservative. What do you have a higher opinion of, Congress or dog poop? I think the, I think the report's full of crap. My goodness, I didn't know solid waste management was so controversial. We'll have more of everything. We were discussing disease, we were discussing all sorts of things tonight. You know, I apologize, we left the helicopter at home. You know, I, I don't have to defend everything that I've ever done. Isn't that the Tea Party in a nutshell? Republican or Republican violence. There isn't a Republican Party. I humbly ask for your vote whenever you're going to get to vote, whenever the primary is. 
so in love with you. All right, welcome to Gander at the Soapbox, where we take a look at politicians on the trail who we either from the South or are campaigning in the South. Uh, we are beginning tonight with comments made by Jeb Bush. Um, I'm going to let the audio speak for itself. Uh, once it's done, I will cede the mic to Janet because I know that this is something that uh, she feels very strongly about. So I want to give her a chance to speak about that. And then, of course, uh, Joey, you are more than welcome to chime in. But uh, here are the comments that came in from Jeb last week. There are Syrian refugees coming into the United States right now. Clearly, there is a, a heartbreaking humanitarian imperative at stake. But what would you do as president given this new information? Well, I think we need to lead as it relates to um, taking action in Syria and Iraq to eradicate ISIS from the face of the earth. That should be our first and foremost responsibility. But as it relates to the refugees, um, I think we need to do thorough screening and take a limited number. But ultimately, the best way to deal with the refugee crisis is to create safe zones inside of Syria so that uh, people don't risk their lives. And you don't have what will be a national security challenge, both for our country and Europe, of screening. In addition to that, Jake, I'd say that there are a lot of uh, Christians in Syria that have no place now. Uh, they'll be either executed or imprisoned, either by Assad uh, or by ISIS. And I think we should have, um, we should focus our efforts as it relates to refugees for the Christians that are being slaughtered. How does the United States, how do screeners tell which refugees are Christian and which ones are not? Well, we do that all the time. We do that. It takes almost a year for a refugee to be processed into the United States. And I think we need to be, obviously, very, very cautious. This also calls to mind the need to make sure we protect our borders, our southern border particularly. We need to focus on um, counterintelligence capabilities that have been weakened when the uh, Patriot Act was reauthorized. This is, a, this is a warning for our country that this threat is not going to go away. This is a threat against Western civilization. And we need to lead. The United States uh, has pulled back, and when we pull back, voids are filled, and they're filled now by Islamic terrorism that threatens our country. Okay, Janet. Number one, Bushy, Bubby, little Bubby. (laughs) We wouldn't have this hole if it wasn't for your brother. And obviously you agree with him because you're picking the same kind of people to be in your cabinet should you become president, which you have a Chinaman, just Chinaman, what is that saying? I can't remember the saying, but in hell of getting there, you know, icicle, whatever. It isn't going to happen. Snowball ch- hell chance. Don't have a, don't, Thank you. Yeah, don't have a snowball chance in hell. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Then the other thing that he says, and I'm not, I'm going to, the Christian part, That's really pissing me off. Number one, he's admitting there. Number one, he's admitting, absolutely admitting that there is at least a year of screening before they even get into our country. Hello. He's also one of the ones saying that Obama's not doing his job and we're just letting everybody in. Number two, we need borders on the southern part of the country. Hmm. Could this be more racism? What, what what What's going on there up in Canada? I mean, I'm assuming that eventually they're going to put, the Canadians are going to put up a wall to keep the Americans that want to get the hell out of this whacked out country 
from getting in their place. Um, but then, <coughs> safe jo- zones in Syria. Right, right. And how are we going to do that, Georgie? Just how are we going to do that? Hey, hey. I'm going to sound like Uncle Ben now. Hey, we're we're over here. We're going to be just sitting over here, and this is a safe zones for all our little Christians. Don't come bother us, okay? We won't bother you. You don't bother us. Everything be cool. No, no, that isn't how it's going to work. There's not going to be any safe zones. Um, <clears throat> Christians, are you flipping serious? We have a country. They call themselves evangelical Christians that don't know the meaning of the word. So what kind of a test is going to be your Christian test? Do you have to have like the Lord's Prayer emblazoned on your arm? Um, are you going to say, what are you going to say? What, what, what denomination are we going to have to all be Baptists? No, that is not how this worked. No. No, 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 no. We are not a Christian country. We're not. We may have Christians in this country. And that's probably predominant. I don't know what the the statistics are. But there is a thing called separation of church and state. And if you're going to use our tax dollars, you cannot be doing that kind of a test. This just pisses me off off no and if i was a duck i'd be wishing you were a june bug jebby (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh well he's just playing to his base you know people who don't read and do research Mm -hmm. about anything you know just they just listen to Fox News and hate radio all day. Right, right wing hate radio all day. <laughs> hate radio, think, you got it right. <laughs> yeah. Let them think, you know. Let them radio stations and Fox News think for them. You know, don't think for themselves. Hey, do you think ISIS chaos now? Do you think ISIS, if they're coming over here, that they couldn't learn what Christianity is and what these right wingers are wanting? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, you betcha. Hail Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. Yeah, it's not that difficult to pretend. Um, and, you know, what, what What bothered me the most about it was that, to me at least, I, I don't know if anybody else noticed it or if it's just me reading too much into it, but I think that he made a clear distinction. He seems to think that he has the capacity to create safe zones in Syria. So let's pretend for a moment that he can do that. Um, he went on to say that the Christians are another problem. So apparently there is an inerrant flaw in these safe zones of his that he can magically create that aren't in fact safe, that we need to save the Christian Syrians, but the Muslim Syrians are okay. We can make a safe zone for them, but that safe zone would somehow not apply to Christians. Why is that? Why? Th- that's what I would like to know. Good point. Yeah, Because they're probably yeah, going to kill them point. anyway. Get the Christians out, and then, then it's no longer a safe zone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
It's oh gosh, it's, it's unbelievable. This guy's unbelievable. All of them unbelievable, man. They are. It's it's absolutely it's terrible. And I, I hate to say that it only gets worse from here. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, I, I, you know, I, I laugh, but it's sort of an anxious laughter. But um, you know, so Jeb's plan for the whole thing is, of course, that we should just accept the Christian refugees and the Muslims. You know, whatever, it's fine. We'll, we'll, they'll have their safe zones that we will never be able to create, and everything will be hunky dory. Uh, Ted Cruz, on the other hand, who will be the politician that we're discussing next, is a man who, oh God, Bug Zephyr for Ted. I know, and he's, he's rising in the polls now, which is not... Sadly, sadly, not surprising, but, you know, Um, you know, this is a guy who benefited from the refugee system that exists in the United States. If it was not for the compassion of our country, his father would not be here where he stands. it, It would not have been allowed to happen. So the hypocrisy of him even having a contrarian opinion on this issue is beyond belief. But let's go ahead and get to the audio. This is two parts. We'll go with part one first, which is the longest. So bear with us, but I promise that every word is uh, proverbial bullshit gold. So here we go. Senator, President Obama called you out uh, (laughs) when he was speaking in Turkey, and he said it was shameful for saying that there should be effectively a religious test for refugees, especially since you come from a family uh, where there was political uh, persecution, and your family benefited from the policies of America allowing refugees in. Well, you know, look, it's it's not surprising that, that President Obama is attacking me personally. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what's shameful is, is that we have a president who, after seven years, still refuses to utter the words radical terrorism. What Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton are proposing is that we bring to this country tens of thousands of Syrian Muslim refugees. I have to say, particularly in light of what happened in Paris, that's nothing short of lunacy. What would have happened if your father was trying to get from Cuba to the United States and the political leaders here said, nope, we don't think so, because who knows, maybe you could be uh, somebody who could, you know, commit crimes against America. Well, see, see, that's why it's important to define what it is we're fighting. If my father were part of a theocratic and political movement like radical Islamism that promotes murdering anyone who doesn't share your extreme faith or forcibly converting them, then it would make perfect sense. Okay, but what about Muslims who are victims of the radical Islamic terrorists Mm -hmm. who, you know, are taking their religion and they're hijacking it? What about protecting those people? There is no doubt that millions of people are suffering from the rise of radical Islamic terrorism. Christians are suffering, Jews are suffering, and other Muslims are suffering. They're being persecuted. Muslims shouldn't be allowed in the U.S.? What I'm saying is Syrian Muslim refugees should be resettled in in the Middle East in majority Muslim countries. Okay, so um, two things real quick. Uh, first, I don't know if you noticed or not, but uh, Dana Bash is getting more and more flustered as the, the interview progresses, and it gets even worse in audio, too. Uh, but the second one is that he's stating that his father didn't come from a 
theocratic country where you are put to death or first to convert if you do not fall underneath their religious branch and their ideology. However, his father came from a country where if you did not agree with their government system and their political philosophy, you were put to death or first forced to convert. So wherein is the difference? Yeah. Didn't his dad throw bombs for Castro? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Raphael. Yeah. Raphael Cruz. Yeah, and if we had given him the due diligence that he believes Syrian refugees deserve, there's no way that he would have ever been allowed in this country. Yep. There's no way. And, it, you know, hey, I'm... I, 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 I'm, 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 this, his, his idiocy flabbergasts me. I apologize. But Joey, please say whatever it is that you want to say. Uh, I was just, <laughs> I was just going to ask, is this father the baloney guy or baloney? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. I am a baloney scientist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, these people are unbelievable. Janet and Jonathan. Yeah, they are. The three J's is on their asses. Yes, indeed, we I, I are. I can't even stand Cruz's voice. I can't mm-hmm. stand how he, like, well, they all do it, though. The second it gets to a point they don't want, they're like little Teflon, and they throw it back on President Obama mm-hmm. and um, Secretary Clinton. And don't ever try to answer. Don't ever, you know, it's like up is down and down is up. Yeah. It can make you dizzy. You could spin like Francie does and chat, you know, with the music. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there is definitely a whole lot of twirling on going on whenever he opens his mouth, and not the good kind that <laughs> Francie partakes in. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we, we have that second audio. We do have to run to our last break real quick, so we're going to go ahead and do that. Uh, but do stay tuned. I, I, I promise it only gets better from here. Um, <laughs> sar- <laughs> please note sarcasm uh, but stay tuned here on Southern Progressive Revival you're listening to Southern Progressive Revival if somewhere within the Bible I were to find a passage that said 2 plus 2 equals 5 I wouldn't question what I'm reading in the Bible I would believe it accept it as true and then do my best to work it out and to understand it that just makes no fucking sense I mean, it's just bullshit Fuck. Oh my, my, my. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. This is Adam Hebert, a man with breathtaking anger management issues. And I hope that you will listen to my program, Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert, live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Fuck yeah! Every week on Mike Check Radio, me and my co-hosts, Rob Poole and Kenny Pegg, will talk about the week's news with righteous indignation, facts, and a large dose of comedy. Inconceivable! Join us as we try to answer the question of just how many Republican douchebags there are in Washington, D.C. It's over 9,000! <laughs> we'll also crown our assholes of the week during our program. You are the leading asshole in the state. Finally on our show, we'll also talk about the latest in news from video games, comic books, film, science, anime, and manga. All for your entertainment and learning pleasure. Well, that sounds really shallow and stupid. 
Let's try it. Don't forget, that's Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert, live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, and only here on Indie Media Weekly Radio. For those who dare. Oh, and Cranker demands that you listen to our program. <laughs> you are crazier than a crap fight in a monkey house. Listen to Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern for three hours of news, opinion, and laughs. This is what comedian and talk show host John Fugelsang has to say about Turn Up the Night. You guys really walk a good line of having it be really collegial and really having a a show that, you know, blends the uh, intelligence with the irreverence, which is the hardest balance to pull off. Still not convinced you should listen to Turn Up the Night? Well, listen to what legendary writer, actor, and comedian Rick Overton has to say. I just don't think we can use the mainstream news for much anymore. I'm, I'd much rather go to you than to CNN for anything. You know, I would trust what my friends have to say more. Well, who can argue with that? Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. Hi, this is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and you're listening to Indie Media Weekly. Bookmark IndieMediaWeekly.com, and be sure to check out our schedule of fine live programming, as well as podcasts and music shows. And please make Indie Media Weekly one of your favorites on TuneIn. Indie Media Weekly, for those who dare. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know... Democrats support the working men and women of this country, so we understand hard work. So let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the final part of Southern Progressive Revival. I am your host, Jonathan Matthews, and joining me, as always, are Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, everyone. Yes, thank you, sir. And good uh, to be here. Yes, always good to have you. And our very own Ms. Producer, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Hi, everybody. Boy, this show's gone fast. I know. It's I, been a I can't day. keep, I just keep thinking about it. Caitlin, Chris had to say when I was talking about Cruz, all I was thinking about was China and ICE and <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was awesome. That was an awesome hour. She's so cool, man. She's so she cool. is yeah. really, really great. I can't wait to get her back on in the future if she's willing to put up with us again. Uh, <laughs> all right, so there's no way to avoid it, folks. We have got to get back into this Cruz audio. So I, I cruise. hope cruise. I know, but it's just one more clip, and it's shorter, okay. and that, that's good. So, so uh, everybody, prepare yourselves. We are diving into cruise part two. Mm. 
More civilians were evacuated today from the embattled Syrian city of Homs, adding to six and a half million people displaced within Syria and two and a half million refugees in countries nearby. The Syria humanitarian crisis is the defining humanitarian crisis of this century. There are calls refugees should be resettled away from the region. UN aid agency, the UNHCR, is asking Western countries, including the U.S., to take in 30,000 of the most vulnerable. We have welcomed refugees, the, 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 the tiled, tired, huddled masses for centuries. That's been the history of the United States. We should continue to do so. So far, the U.S. hasn't been too welcoming to those caught between rebels and the Assad regime. After three years of fighting, only 109 Syrian refugees have been accepted. The U.S. says $1.7 billion in aid, plus the hope the war would end soon, were reasons for letting refugees stay in the region. Also, there is fear al-Qaeda fighters active in Syria might mix with refugees, threatening the U.S. We have to continue to be vigilant to make sure those coming are not affiliated with the terrorists, but, but we can do that. So... I, I know what you're all thinking. What 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 is this? This this Ted Cruz who is now saying that we should welcome refugees into our country as we always have, and that there should be screening, but that we can do it and we have the power to do it. Did did he suddenly change his mind? Did he meet some Syrian refugees and and he saw the light? No. This was said before the attacks on Paris. Because of what happened. Cruz has changed his stance entirely on how we should treat Syrian refugees. So, as much as Ted Cruz would not like this little bit of audio to leak out, and as few listeners as we have, I do not care, as long as you hear it, that's all that makes me happy, I would like to present to you, one and all, the liar, the crook, the political opportunist, Mr. Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yeah, this... Wow. Oh, my God. So so much I want to say, but but Janet... That's all, I got. That's all I have to say is just wow. Yeah, exactly. I think that pretty much summarizes Mr. Cruz entirely. <laughs> just the word wow. Um... <laughs> But Janet, uh, you know, he he was uh, his father was a refugee. He's here because of that, because of our kindness. He once stated that we should continue that policy, but since Paris, that's no longer the case. Now, why do you think that is? Hello, Janet. Janet, sorry. Oh no, you're fine. Um, I think it's because he married a white woman who is extremely wealthy and he has anchor babies. Mm. And so now with that, he's got his political aspirations and his packs to keep him in the green. He thinks he's going to be able to um, say whatever he wants. And uh, apparently he can. Plus, up as down and down is up in this world yes indeed it's <laughs> oh greed and want of power it is a phenomenal phenomenal thing and, and that's a dangerous combination you know 
It is. Well, and he's talk. They talk about anchor babies, and what is the difference with him, who is not even really a citizen that I know of? I'm not sure. Yeah, he was um, born in Canada, so. Right. Yeah. So, but he marries an American citizen, which makes him. I'm not quite sure, but his children are. Mm-hmm. And so. But he still doesn't have papers. On the same hand, then he trashes our system. You know, because I really, I don't, oh my God, he just drives me insane. I know. I just, I wish I had a big old bug zapper that could get him. Oh, yeah. I really, honest to God, wish he was a June bug. And I was a duck with a big old. Bug zapper. <laughs> oh Get gosh! In my mouth or use my zapper. Absolutely. Like, like my pops used to say, I'd be on his ass like a duck on a June bug. Duck on a June bug. That's exactly <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> my pops used to say. <laughs> yep. Oh gosh! Yeah, this is one of those nights where you really wish we had somebody on the program like Kenny who can just eviscerate people like this because. Yeah. Yeah. Cruz, I I don't know if it's because of my disposition as an individual, not that I'm not passionate about politics, but he just leaves me speechless. I, I don't understand. He's such an odious, obnoxious yeah. son of a bitch. He is. I just want to punch him. And I'm not really, I mean, I have arthritis. My God, it'd break every bone in my body. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> but he's one of those people that I could just get him in the nads and not feel bad i, I could I walk just, by and just do it yeah just grab him by his car and say what the hell? who the hell what the hell is wrong with you you know <laughs> grab by his, you know grab by his car and throw him against the wall and say you son of a you know he's one of them type of guys oh yeah <laughs> you know and the republicans can't even stand him oh yeah. i mean if if we think we can't stand him think about what the what his party thinks of him I know. It's it's terrible. And it's and- all because he and the GOP TV and media have um, got this hate mongering and this, you know, hate of the government and blah, 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 blah. This is what and- gets me. They talk about the government, this, the government, that, they against the government. Why are you trying to get into government? Exactly. Good point. Yeah, that is a very good it's point. It's called money and power. Yep. Exactly. To protect their like interests. If we get rid of the government, right? Yeah. But it'll never happen, you know. I mean, you know, the, the government grew under President George W. Bush. And that has been the way that it's always been. They've gone after programs to help the least of these. But when it comes to providing benefits for the uber-wealthy, when it comes to cutting taxes where it counts for their friends and their contributors, when it comes to allowing energy companies to do whatever they want and just giving them a blank check to destroy the environment, they're there. They are right there for it. But to tell the truth, we are the government because we have the power to vote. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole lot of people don't you know, vote against a own interests, interests, you know, and it messes everything up. Yeah, the power of the, the, the a vote, a one vote is powerful. That's why I always say, you know, my one vote is worth thousands of lives mm-hmm. because it was thousands exactly. of lives 
you know, was lost for just me, this individual, individual to vote. That's right. Yep, exactly. And the the complacency that we have as a democracy, it's it's just shameful. And if we remain complacent, individuals like this are going to win the White House. I don't think that it's going to happen this time. And we've got to vote on the down tickets, not yeah, just national. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them, 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 you know, the local elections, though, you know, it starts from there. Yep. yep. All also, politics is local. That, yep. That's that's how this this state became a red state so quick is because a whole lot of people in this state gave up. Mm-hmm. You know, and turned and and look at the guy we got in as the governor now. But I'm glad uh, Nashville is, you know, my home. I love my home. But Nashville, you know, we got a, the first the first female Democratic mayor, and I love that, you know. You know, just to say, you know, it's a lot of progressives in this town. But all around the rural areas around where I live, ain't none river but Republicans, man. I've been seeing, you know, because, like, I go travel, uh, uh, you know, our way to go see Doug, you know, and I get on the freeway and, and get into town, and you know, you know where Doug lives is primarily a military town, but uh, I see a whole lot of bumper stickers with with uh, Trump on it. Trump and Ben Carson. That's all I see mm-hmm. around these rural, in these small towns. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Uncle about Ben. Bernie Sanders. I think about getting the Bernie Sanders, you know, bumper sticker and put it on my ride. But I was like, mm, no, because I may wind up fighting one of these clowns one day. You know, I don't want to fight, you know, because, you know, I got an attitude, you know, because they first the N word, they dropped that N bomb on me. I'm going to be ready to fight. You know, I'm not a violent person, really. But, you know, if you disrespect me like that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to mean you're going to talk. <laughs> you, know, <but laughs> I, not trying to, you know, be violent or try to advocate violence. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm letting everybody know, you know. It's just me, you know, because, you know, I endured that stuff almost all my life every now and then with people like that, you know, calling me the N-word and I'm just straight up fighting or something like that. Or or sometimes I just turn around, say, bite my lip and walk off, you know, say this, this fool's a clown. Mm-hmm. But, you know, around these rural towns, you know, it's, it's people like that and, and, and mostly Republicans act that way. Yeah. It's extremely, oh gosh, it's, it's yeah. just so sad. I, you, you can't quantify it into words. I, I don't think that there's a way to properly express how sad and, and, and horrible that is. Um, but you know, it, it's something that has become rampant uh, across the country as Caitlin Chris brought to our attention. And it's not just happening to african-americans it's happening to anyone who's not white who's not male who's not affluent and you know it's it's a sad state of affairs yep absolutely so (laughs) yeah you know i don't care who you are you know what i'm saying as long as you treat me as me being a man hey look i'm i'd be your best friend (laughs) <laughs> that's the way I am, you know. That's, that's, yep. I, you know, I've always been that way ever since I was a kid. I always hung with, with a different ethnic, you know, a person with a di- from a different ethnic group is me. Always, man. Ever since I was a kid, mm-hmm. you could ask my mother that. You know, my father. Well, he's gone. May he rest in peace. But you know, you ask them. You know, 
I've always been that way, and I, I'm going to show love, and that's why I'm here to show love for you and you guys and everybody. And we're going and we're gonna we're gonna stop these clowns. Yes, we are. We're gonna stop them. Yes, we will fight together, and that is why the only N word that will ever be attributed to you, sir, is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> no, no worries. But um, okay. So we 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 have enough time to get to this final story, uh, final audio here from Rubio. Um, unfortunately, we do not have the esteemed pleasure of covering Mr. Trump on the show because he is not Southern, and uh, yeah. But you know, we're waiting for him to come down here, so. <laughs> We're just waiting. We we are counting the days. But um, Rubio, it would seem, is not terribly different from Donald Trump on how he feels things should be going. So let's go ahead and get to that audio. There's been a lot of talk about what, what we should be doing here in the United States. There's been a lot of talk about what, what we should be doing here in the United States with respect to mosques now. And one of your fellow candidates, Donald Trump, is suggesting we, we may need to close mosques uh, that have problems with radicals at the top. What do you say? Well, I think we need to target radicalism. A lot of it is actually happening online, not simply in mosques. The vast majority of mosques in America But the mosque piece of it is the controversial not... piece. So where do you stand on that? Well... I think it's not about closing down mosques. It's about closing down any place, whether it's a, a cafe, a diner, an internet site, any place where radicals are being inspired, and that we need to have. An, but the bigger problem we have an ability to find out what these places are because we've crippled our intelligence programs, both through unauthorized disclosures by a traitor, in Edward Snowden, or by some of the things this president has put in place with the support, even of some from my own party, to diminish our intelligence capabilities. So whatever facility is being used, it's not just a mosque. But any facility that's being used. To to radicalize and inspire attacks against the United States should be a place that we look at. So, you know, a, a lot of times, and I, I know that this is a recurring theme, and it's a deserved theme, that Donald Trump is absolutely insane. And people are afraid of him, and they should be. There's very good reason to be afraid of Donald Trump. But he is not the only person in this race that wants to do damage to minorities. And Marco Rubio, in this audio, stated unequivocally that he has absolutely no issue closing not only mosques, but any place that Muslims congregate that could possibly have an extremist influence. There is no way to quantify what that means, because if we were to apply this to Christians, which we will never do, because, and I, I mean, I'm saying this as a Christian. <sighs> I'm so sorry. Man, um, take me a drink, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not water. It's water, though. There you go. Man, this kind of reminds me of how they used to, what they did back in the 30s and 40s in Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. of what they was trying to do but they done it you know this is this is insane man yeah it's scary stuff yeah. yeah because i mean if if you if you want to get realistic about it um sort of to to finish the the point that that i was uh starting and wasn't able to completely formulate um okay i i can understand the desire 
to go into places where there is religious extremism, not uh, Islamic extremists specifically, um, in order to try to diminish um, any potential threats to this country. I can understand that on some level. However, we're not going to talk about it this show at length. We're going to wait till next show to do that. But we had this man from Colorado who was a homegrown terrorist, who was white, who was a Christian. So, if you want to label a place as a birthground for extremists, how do you do it? Is Would it be the place that one terrorist goes to get a coffee every morning? Would it be the mosque that he attends, even though every single Muslim uh, who attends that mosque beside from himself were perfectly patriotic Americans? Um, would it be that extreme? And if we were to apply that across the board, you know, would the man whose name I will not mention on the air in Colorado, would his church be shut down? Even though I'm sure that the other members of his congregation are perfectly fine people. Would the establishments that he went to eat at be shut down? Where, why is it that we are only looking at Islamic extremism? Why? Because there is extremism that comes out of every faith. There is extremism that comes out of our faith, Joey. Mm-hmm. You know, always it's been happening for years. Yeah, even do even if, you know from slavery to Jim Crow, it was real. It was real hectic in Jim Crow era. You know, Christians, so-called Christians, terrorizing other Christians, killing them and hanging them, burning them, shooting them, drowning them. Sick and dogs, then uh, putting hose pipes on them, and all types of stuff, man. You know, so uh, they they done done more in this country. You know, to tell the truth, Christians have done more terrorism in this country than than a Muslim did have done. And then, you know, and, and it beats nine eleven. Absolutely, it beats nine eleven, man. Yeah, they've the total number of people killed in, in the name of some dogmatic uh, bastardization of Christian scripture has claimed far more lives than were lost on nine eleven. Yeah, and you know, Janet, um, not that I can think of an instance of it ever happening, because I mean, and not, and I, I hate to use reverse discrimination, but for the most part, I think women are more reasoned and level-headed. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, that a uh, a woman who is a feminist who is proud of her rights and wants to preserve them goes and attacks—I don't know—a uh, uh, gathering hall for men's on- for men only, a uh, a golf club. Uh, you know, something like that. I'm, I'm just putting a hypothetical out there for you. Um, I mean, you you can't blame the actions of a few people. You can't do that. No. You just can't. No. 
Now, and something like that is, uh, you know, she'd be wrong, <clears throat> you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the anger that you would feel, and believe me, I've been there, um, but you can't blame all men for, you know, the sins of the others, so to speak. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I'm asking that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also saying, you know, if we were to apply this equitably, you know. We can't. We can't. There's no way to no. do it. And like, you know, it's like uh, Caitlin says, too, you know, they're taking and closing down the mosque like a precursor to prohibiting the free exercise of religion or exercise of non-religion. Mm-hmm. Really is, you know, um, and, and Muslims don't have to apologize, just like Christians don't need to apologize for the crazies, but they need to quit blaming others for it. Like, um, if it's a white guy, then he's just missing a gear or two. Crazy. If it's somebody that's black or Muslim, then they're supposed to apologize for their whole race or their whole group. And that's just not the way it is. Yeah, it's not. And um, even to go back to Caitlin again, it's, you know, it's like she said during Damn Yankee, she doesn't represent every single Asian American. She can only speak for herself. So why should anybody be held to that standard? Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just not fair, and it's not right, it's not democratic, and it certainly goes against every principle that our Constitution stands for. Absolutely. Well, those people couldn't give a damn about the Constitution. I'm sorry, the Constitution. They've never read it, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have their own. <laughs> yeah, they do like indeed. Your boy, uh, your boy W said, uh, the Constitution ain't number the goddamn Got damn piece of paper. You know that's what he said. Yep. They had that Patriot Act written up before nine eleven even happened. Yeah, because they were planning on having it happen. And I'm kind of wondering about this Syria thing and what our October surprise is going to be. Probably a bombing somewhere. I certainly hope not. Um, Me too. Yeah. I, oh my God! They would have an orgasm. <laughs> I will. Our friend. No, to have an orgy live on TV. <laughs> oh my god! I'm praying it don't. Please. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I, I really, really pray that nothing happens between now and November. Oh gosh, that would be terrible. But so you know, so, so far we're on a positive course. We we need to keep fighting. Um, wow. Um, I mean, if, if either of you have anything else to say, uh, now is the time to say it and then we will start wrapping up the show for the night. No, well, it looks like we're running out of time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this I, night flew. And, and, I, and I'm all Republican hated out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I understand completely. We, we'll have to recharge over the next seven days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah of course. I, I got to. I got to do some positive research when I get off here, you know, 
uh, get me a some uh, 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 maybe one or maybe two female heroes from uh, civil rights heroes for y'all guys, and I hope y'all tune in next week. Yeah. Yes, Can't absolutely. Wait. Okay, so tonight, instead of doing our farewells. I thought that it would be appropriate, uh, since it is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, for everybody to say what they are thankful for and to say goodbye. So, we will begin with Ladies First, with Miss Janet Lee. I am thankful for the show and for our loyal listeners. I am thankful and blessed for my family and my beautiful, adorable Miss Alma. And my wonderful, my just wonderful family. And and um, it started out going to be a crap weekend, and it ended up being one of the best days. So I thank you for everybody. That is beautiful. And, uh, of course, we move on now to Mr. Joey Word. Oh, yeah. I would like to thank Indie Media Weekly Radio, Kenny, all you guys, Adam, you, Janet, you, Jonathan, all uh, everybody in the chat room that uh, showed me love ever since I, you know, came here, came here to Indie Media Weekly. Uh, I like to thank for, I thank my family, my moms, my brothers, and my aunts, uncles, cousins, my best friend Doug, his lovely wife Sissy. I like to thank my uh, other best friends. Jeff and Sam and y'all brothers hang in there and and uh shoot I hope we have another one to come another Thanksgiving. Yes. And indeed. I forgot to say I feel blessed for my sister in the chat room, Joe. Love you, love you. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. And uh as for me, I have to say that I am thankful that my family was able to be together uh for another year, that I was able to spend my first Thanksgiving with my beautiful son. Uh, who enjoyed it very much, might I say. Um, I am thankful to both of my co-hosts here. Without you, this show would not be possible. I am thankful for Indie Media Weekly, which gives us a platform from which to speak and to bring you the good and the bad each week concerning the South, which is a wonderful thing to do. And of course, it goes without saying that I'm thankful for each and every one of you who listens, whether it be live or via our podcast. So I want to thank you all once again for listening. We will be back again next Sunday for another episode of Southern Progressive Revival. It will be episode 14. We will be skipping 13 for reasons that I will explain later. But uh, anyway, I hope that you all have a wonderful week ahead, and we look forward to seeing you here again on Southern Progressive Revival. Have a good night, y'all. I've got to let you go. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's good. Wonderful to see you. Yes, uh right. Great. You come back and see me, you hear? Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob.